This is Les McCurdy, McCurdy's Comedy Theater, Sarasota, Florida. We're sitting in the green room behind the stage where the comics hang out before they go up on stage. As a matter of fact, you can walk from the green room just right onto the stage. It sits in the middle of the stage and on the other side is the box office. And what you're going to hear is the conversation that the comics naturally have during the performance. That's what this is all about. It's not an interview. It's not a performance. It's just our conversation. Same as you sitting around with your friends, and it could go anywhere. It could be chaotic. It could go all over the place. It could be very specific. And remember, we're not experts on anything either. We're just having a nice conversation. That's what we do in the green room. That's what you want to be a part of, and we hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the conversation. Just talking to Lindsay. By the way, uh, Les McCurdy here, uh, podcast uh, in the green room. The conversation, McCurdy's Comedy Theater. The conversation, and uh, we'll just be having our. You'll just be catching our conversation as much as we can make it natural with some microphones in here. Right Mike's on. our producer, right over there. Hey, hey yo, say How's stuff it going? so they know you. I'm Mike, the producer. That's him. Bam. And then Gid Pool is with us too. Gid can yes. talk. Yes, I'm here because that's where I'm supposed to be and I do what I'm told. Well, that's right. Go ahead and pull that microphone right up into your face. I am I am actually one of the graduates of your little humor You are. Institute. You can pull that right up there. Humor, humor Institute. You are. Humor. But you know, we're just talking about, because um, we both play golf and yeah. love golf, but here they have the first women's amateur, right, at, yep. the, at Augusta National. And... Uh, Wednesday and Thursday, I don't know about you, but I was flipping through and I go, Golf Channel? No, I can't find it. And I have yet to find a broadcast of it. Yeah. And I just, uh, I just uh, texted uh, Lindsey Bergeon, yeah. who was on the Symmetra tour, and you know was a all American and all that stuff. And I figured she'd be this being the the big inaugural yeah. historical first time any any I don't even Mike no tournament has ever been played at Augusta National except the Masters. That's correct. Until this. Yeah. And, uh, you That's know. interesting. So, you know, and I'm sure a lot of the Me Too movement had something to do with well, this choice. Well, and, you know, you got Condoleezza Rice, who's a member there now. Now. And there's another woman, too. Yeah. And they did the, and see, they, the new regime that came in up several years ago opened this stuff up. They did the drive, put, uh, chip, and putt contest for That's the right. kids. That's right. That's in its, like, fifth year. That's right. You know. So that that's right, and, but but what was kind of was kind of disappointing to me is that you can't find any coverage. Well, but see, here's what they're doing. I I don't know if you noticed this, but the last round Saturday is at Augusta National. The first two rounds were at another country club in the area. Oh, ah, so they're oh. not going to take all that equipment into mom and pop country club. Oh, I didn't know no, that. The, the final round is uh, so. Saturday. Is that is that where the one that I'm seeing is at Mission Hills or something? somewhere like that? Yeah, it's oh. at. Oh, now the Mission Hills. That's a and a championship out in Palm Springs. Oh, that's a whole nother. That's the LPGA. Thing. That's what. Okay, that's, that's what LPGA. I was thinking. Uh, but no, they've got they they had uh, a cut tonight to the top thirty amateur right. women. Now, what's really nice is tomorrow all of the entrants, even the ones that did not make the cut, go get to play a practice round at Augusta National. That's cool. But what? Even though this is fantastic that they're doing, but you imagine these these great players 
have not played Augusta now. No, no, this is going to be they're, interesting. They're final, and they're trying to win the finals on this course they've never played. It's and the it hardest is, course ever. It is already set up for the Masters, right. which starts next week. Of course. So that's, it could be a it could be a little bit of a, a Valentine's Day massacre. It could there. be. A, exactly. Exactly. Oh, it could yeah. really make. It, I tell you, it's almost you think as as these are the best female amateurs in yeah. in, in, in the United States. Uh, you would think easily it could be a situation where nobody even shoots even par. Yeah, that's very, you know, be, yeah. like, be like me and you going to a good No, it wouldn't be like me. <laughs> yeah. These well, girls are way better than me yeah, and you. Are, Oh, yeah. <laughs> way better. But, the, but yeah, you know, yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. because it's, I, mean, I know several years ago I was in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and there's a place called Old Stone Country Club, which was designed to compete with Valhalla in oh, the state okay. as the best. And we got there two days after the NCAA regional championship. Right. And it was like bring the bring the bandages. Because oh, yeah. You couldn't you really? couldn't get a you couldn't get a putt to stop going downhill. Oh yeah, you know. Mike. And like anytime like I've been you've done it too. Yeah. I've I've been on courses down here in Florida where they've just set up a, a for a qualifier. Yeah. For 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 some of the the the, the mid level pros. Yeah. And the course will be so ridiculous. Yeah. For us as well, amateurs, they had know. the uh, they had the Symmetra Tour at Charlotte National at Bobcat Trail about a month ago. Right, and uh, they got those greens. Now the LPGA told them. Now the Symmetra Tour, for those of you who don't know, is like the the minor league for. That's how you qualify to get right. to the it's like farm league ball. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they said don't get them much above a ten or an eleven. Well, they Ooh. got they got them to twelve and a half. I was gonna say. And and the women loved it. You know, nice. The women loved it, but I, where I was going with this, well, I was, was thinking they would. I would think they would mostly play at eleven or twelve. Well, the ones this weekend out uh, in California are twelve. Yeah. Now you can remember because you're old. Yeah. Is Thank back you. when a ten was considered fast. Oh God, yeah. Ten was fast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because they didn't have they didn't have the ability to, yeah. to run those greens that that quick and not kill. Well, them, I know at know. Uh, at Bobcat uh, in the morning, uh, they would cut the greens, roll them. And then cut them again. Right. I just played over at Sarah Bay uh, yesterday, and they they uh, and that's a Donald Ross course here in that uh, in Sarasota. That other than the concession is renowned to have the fastest, most yeah. difficult greens, and they just rebuilt them so they don't they don't hold either. Oh, there's a concession. Uh, the concession on the TV. ad. Came how did on you the TV. How did you do that? I don't know. I wish I knew. They won't, you know. And uh, yeah. so yeah, I mean it, it's. Uh, and, and you were sitting here talking about tens and twelves. For, for, for anybody doesn't play golf, and Mike, you know, the deal is, is that there's a thing called a stemp meter, and okay. it's it's how it, it gauges how fast the ball is going to roll on the green. How, That's what I was about to ask you. It's how that. quick it is, and and so the higher the number, the faster the green. So when your ball like hits. and when it, and it, and and when they get a, a green that's like. Sometimes with the PGA guys, where it might be running a 13 or 14 or even a 15, I mean it's almost like a tabletop. I mean yeah, it, it's right. you know to get your ball to stop. So, Bronwyn just snuck in like she didn't know we were going to say she was here. That's our assistant, our box office manager. Um, so anyway, yeah, I just I was just amazed that we, so that makes sense that we won't see anything yeah, until Saturday, tomorrow. I think Saturday at noon is when they're going to telecast the finals. Uh-huh. Now, this, now, think about this. and This I, this hit me for next year. Right. right. How hard is it to get a ticket to the Masters? Almost impossible. Yeah, you got to be in okay. a lottery. You now, be in here's a lottery. the kicker. A lot of people, I just want to see the golf course. Yes. Guess what? 
here's a way to go see it next year. You get a ticket to that event. Absolutely. And now you get to see Augusta. And not only that, but when you go Masters Week, because I've done it before. Have you done it? No, I don't have that much money. All right. Well, I, I, I do, I'm, kid. Hey, I'm let me tell you how this works. Uh, no, but the deal is when you go Masters Week, and it's the same way if you went to Super Bowl or, or the Olympics or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, a Motel 6 in Augusta, a Motel 6 who right now you could go get a room there for 60, 70 bucks, a night. will be $250 yeah, a Minimum, night. right. Minimum. Yeah. And uh, so. So and a nice hotel would be four or five hundred dollars a night. The the Kentucky Derby's that way. Same way. We stayed at a Holiday Inn and paid seven hundred and fifty dollars a night. Holy! At a shit. Holiday Inn yeah, to go did, to. Did they the, fluff your pillows at least. The, like the, the, no, no they, chocolate. It's a Holiday Inn. It's still <laughs> seven hundred dollars. If some girl comes to fluff my pillows, but you know the goofy is there's <laughs> exactly. no in Louisville same as Augusta. Yeah. There, there's maybe one really nice hotel. Yeah. Maybe one. I right. mean, the, the Holiday Inn that we were staying. Now, it was a Crown Plaza. Okay. Oh, well. Pam goes down in the gift shop the morning before the race, <laughs> and there's only one other person staying in the gift shop. Jerry Rice. Oh, She's geez. staying there. He's we find <laughs> out, we find out uh, um, uh, one of the big rap stars, not Ice Cube. Uh Oh, I'm trying. So to, many. Yeah, but anyway, Snoop Dogg. A couple of the big rap stars. I mean, there were several celebrities, yeah. but it's right. just you, and that's the way Augusta is. So, yeah. a one to get a ticket, to to get a ticket to the actual round, it means you're using someone else's, else's ticket. ticket. The, all, all tickets are assigned. Uh, all it's it's as if every ticket at the Super Bowl was a season ticket that somebody owned. Oh, really? Okay, so well, if you got a ticket, you you were getting someone's ticket who didn't want to go. So it's very exclusive. Like so yeah. very exclusive. And if you go as a guest, Mike, or did, or any of us, if we went as somebody's guest, because they know whose ticket you're in yeah. on when you check in. Okay. If you caused a problem and got kicked out, <laughs> that holder could lose yeah. their ticket. Yeah. Really? Yes. So it's very trustful. You're trusting it, 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 you, you know, uh-huh. it's like... They don't want any hassles no, in there. No. But it uh but when you go on the practice round, back in the early nineties, ninety three, ninety four, when I think uh Freddie won and Olasava won, my buddy Mark Williams was the pro in was a pro at a course in Aiken, South Carolina, which is right b- beside Augusta. And so we went and hung out with him because still to get a hotel room or anything like that was astronomical. But back then, you paid $15 at the gate to wow. go in on Monday wow. or Tuesday. You paid $15 at the gate because they're just practicing. Yeah. And they let on Tuesday, they let you bring your cameras, and they still do. And you can yeah. take pictures because they're just practicing. Yeah, you know, matter. So you can fire away. And, uh, but, but, you know, I checked. I mean, like right now... I think to get, if someone would sell you a ticket, I believe you're probably to get in there on a regular round, I, I'm at least five hundred to a thousand dollars, something like that. And then once again, you got to find a place to. A lot of people will stay in Atlanta yeah, and just, just drive the well, four yeah, hours a, over well, and right, back. Yeah, you know? I did a show several years ago about halfway to Atlanta. And they put us, you know, we get lodging at night. Yeah. They put us in a seven-bedroom house. When I say seven bedrooms, it was, 
It was on a big plan community, three stories, huge basement, 87 friggin' recliners in the basement with big screen TVs. Nice. And I told the lady, I said, what is with this house? She goes, well, the guy that built the house built it for Augusta because right. he gets so much money. And she, she said, I can't tell you how much he gets for it, right. but you think we can put like 20 people in this house. Right. Yeah. And if you're getting 20 people, let's say $200 a person a night, and he only does it for the week. You got to take it. You got to take it Monday to Sunday. And I bet he's getting more than two hundred dollars a person. But it, well, but. it's got to be. But he was like, "Holy crap!" You know. I mean, yeah. I was almost late for the show because I got lost in the house. Exactly. That's cool. That's cool. Well, you know, you're exactly right. I didn't think about that. This is a way that people could. But it's. It'll be interesting to find. I. I, I I'll be interested to check out next year that very thing. What would can we get tickets yeah, I'm to gonna, the, I'm see the girls playing yeah. on Saturday? Gonna, it is. I tell people if you don't even play golf, you don't yeah. care anything about golf, to see the botanical garden that that place is. Yeah, the grass is a color you've never seen. Yeah. I mean, it really is such a deep dark green. It, it you have to touch it. It looks yeah. it looks unreal. Well, fake. Yeah. It, it does. It looks a little fake, and uh, it's, well, they, it's they, just a they, gorgeous they put, place. They put watercoloring or coloring into Ray's Creek from time to time. When uh -huh. they had the heavy rains in the spring oh, yeah. and the water was brownish, they, they helped it. They helped it. Right? Well, they, they, they said they have all these uh, underground labyrinth of water pipes yep. to uh, heat the ground yeah. to certain temperatures well, and they, to they, make the azaleas pop yeah. at, at the right time. So this is the best kept, the best kept course. In Whoever. Oh, there's nothing like. I don't, it. I don't yeah. know who the greenskeeper head guy is there, but he's making. He's probably a millionaire. Oh, 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 absolutely. But see, more been, than that. Now you've been there, and I. But I have, the one thing that people tell me from the first time they see it is they're surprised at how hilly it is. Oh, the elevation is. I mean, a friend of mine is an airline. Uh, he's a pilot. He's a pi private pilot, jet pilot. And Mike just told me. He goes, hey, man, I got to let you know, I'm going to Augusta. A guy hired me to fly, you know, them up, private right. jet. He's going up, and the guy told him, he goes, you're going, I have a ticket for you. They're not making him sit in the jet. He gets to go in That's with awesome, man. So he's like, how should, you know, what, I, you know, what do I do? And I go, well, what you want to do is you want to go to the first tee and walk the whole oh, course. You just want to okay. walk the course. Now, I, I told him, I go, Put on your hiking boots. Yeah. Because walking that whole course is a chore yeah. if you're not yeah. used to walking. You know? <laughs> yeah. It well, is and, and see, a lot this, of elevation. See, this is another thing about these amateur girls that are going to play there. Most, uh, A lot of them are college players. Yes. And in college, what do you do? You carry your own bag. Right. Now, I'm, I'm hoping that they know enough to make sure they've got a caddy. At Augusta, they will assign them a caddy. Will? Oh, I guarantee so, you they will. So if we got invited to play, they'd give us a caddy? Yes. You have to have oh, a caddy. There ain't no, no, there ain't no, there's no whether you want to or there's, not. There's, there's no cart path no, only? No, no, you, you'll have a caddy. And he will make sure that you're, because the thing is, of course, you need a caddy. Oh, yeah. yeah. You'll, you'll, and, yeah. You, and all those girls will need a local caddy. Yeah. They, they really will. They, even if some of those girls have a caddy that's normally with them, I don't know. Maybe they'll let those caddies go out there and walk. Yeah, but the why would you want to? You'd want a local. You'd want a local caddy no. and uh, to be able to tell you what's going <laughs> this on. This would oh, be yeah. a, if we played it with the caddy. You know, what his first question would be with us: How many golf balls did you bring? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we go. Are you here? We go twelve. He go not enough. Who do you yeah. know? Who do you well, know? actually, my buddy who was the 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 uh, pro there, Mark. They 
that every year, because uh, Augusta only has play, they only allow play on the course, I think, for five months maybe, is, is all. The really? rest of the time it's Close. just, yeah. you know, making it perfect. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. That's so crazy. And, uh, and so that all the head pros in the area, they give them one round every year. And they take, of course, all of their assistant pros yeah. or their top three assistant pros. Well, he's one of my college buddies, fraternity brother, and uh, and there was five or six of us, you know, been up there, were up there twice with him, and he'd already played it a couple of times. We were like, "How long do you have to be here as a pro before one of us get invited?" He goes, "You won't live that long." <laughs> 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 well, okay. And he's a good friend. We'll just start looking somewhere else. Uh, no. There was a guy, there was a guy that got into comedy years and years ago. I never met him, but he was the, if I remember correctly, he was like the vice president in charge of Mary Kay. Like he was one step below Mary Kay. Yeah. Right? He was there in so, charge so, of their marketing and sales or whatever. He was a member of a he he could get you in on Augusta. He could get you on any golf course anywhere. Really, you know, yeah. He was one of those guys. He he was connected, and so he wanted to be a stand-up comic. And that and Mary Kay was based out of Texas, either Houston or Dallas. So he started being an open micer and da 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 da. And then he got good enough to where he could you know he could be an opening, maybe yeah. even a middle act. You need know, 20, 25, 30 minutes of material, and he was decent and. So, uh, so, and they said when he would get a gig, he would stay wherever the comic stayed. Even though this guy could go get a suite at the Ritz-Carlton, yeah. he stayed wherever the comic stayed, no matter how shitty that's it was. Cool. That's, that's and, cool. But, so all of a sudden, he gets the first couple of clubs he plays that the, the owner is a golfer, he takes them to Augusta. Oh, no. Within a month, this son of a bitch was the most sought-after opening act in America. We, wow. we were breaking, we were like, hey. we were going after him hey. like crazy. Hey. I'll pay you three thousand dollars to open my club. Yeah, he goes, it ain't about the money. I said, I know it's not about the money. <laughs> well, you know, and see that, see that's that's funny because uh, I have I bring nothing to the plate. Uh, I just have to do what I have to do. Right. You know, but you hear these stories. See, that's the other thing. You, and you know this. I started here, what, 10 or 11 years ago. Took yeah. Your, took your class. Never, and you started, you started at the ripe age of 50. No, 61. You were 61. 61. You started 60. Right. And I really was just going to play with it a little bit, uh-huh. you know. And, and then all of a sudden it started to grow. And the, the only thing that makes me wish I had started earlier is when I sit, hear people like you and Vic, who's here this week and all that, tell these road stories. Yeah. about stuff you that happened on the road and I went boy did I miss out on a rolling party I well mean, well you, it was cool when you were 25 yeah, to 35 well, yeah. you know what I mean I mean I said after that I, I, said, I cool, sat down man. with Tim Wilson one night between shows and he led this and he talked for like him. an hour and oh my god you know I mean Ron Shock, Tim Wilson Uh-oh. all those guys oh yeah right. some of the greatest guys we were, we were talking about Tim and Ron last night me and Vic were I was speaking damn devil Vic Hanley just sent a room. Our headliner, Vic Hanley. Uh, Vic, is, Vic uh, let me explain how this works, okay? I've been right there for 10 minutes. <laughs> no, I've been <laughs> where he needs to be. He, look, Pam, Pam caught him, and he did the right thing. He stayed right 
<laughs> you do what? Well, well we yeah. all know you do what Pam says. And Ron went too. No, that's between right. I was, I was, that's uh, right. I was double teamed in a good way. <laughs> we have been sitting here talking about Augusta National stories and the fact that the women's amateur thing is I was going to ask you about that. I saw that earlier. Well, I was saying I couldn't find it anywhere broadcast. I was like, how much does that suck? Well, Gid just let me know. The first two rounds, they don't play at Augusta. They oh, play somewhere close. See, so they're only playing tomorrow at Augusta. No, I knew they'd fudge it. I knew they'd find some way to fudge it. Yeah. It just couldn't be too good to be true. That, right. You know, they're always been a little accused of being chauvinistic. Of course. And then now, you know, first time, oh, all, all the girls coming on out. No, except for you got to start over you here. Go, yeah, community, go. community campus, campus B, community college. <laughs> <laughs> then you work your way up to the university. That's right. Yeah. But how unfair is it that their final round is on Augusta Certainly. and they've never played? Yeah, that's, that's oh my goodness. <laughs> you know? I didn't even think about that. Yes, yes. we oh, were yeah. going, if right. any of these girls break, yeah. shoot under par, it'd be unbelievable. Hey, you've never driven on a NASCAR track before. Let's start with Daytona. <laughs> <laughs> just get out there and get it. Just yeah. get out there and it's get that, it. It's that right side pedal. Just push <laughs> yeah, it. That's just right. It. Turn when, thing you know, when your car goes at, what, about 90 degrees. Don't let that throw you. No, don't let that throw you. Just <laughs> no, hit the gas okay. Here's, here's Okay, here's what just happened. Sarcasm and Southern just showed up in the room. All right? And I got to tell you this, Vic, because – and Vic – I'm driving home last night, and my wife says, you're starting to sound like Vic. I went, I'm sorry. Because I started well, mimicking. Well, see, if I get around him less, yeah. then it starts, and then it just well, is a downhill Because what happens, that. and I have a, a just enough Southern, because I'm from Kentucky, and that's really not the South. They like to think it's the South. That if I'm around a real Southerner long enough, my M's and all that start to stretch out at the end of my words. That's good. Ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that at all. He's been, he's been coasting on this for a thousand oh, years. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Matter of fact, the first time, the first time Pam and I ever really talked, we were waiting tables at, at this same place here, and I had a degree in theater, and I found out she's down here getting her master's degree because Florida State's program is down here. Okay. So we get into a little conversation. And I said, and I tell her, I said, hey, you're in theater. I said, uh, I have my BFA uh, at, at, from University of Memphis. She goes, why don't you do something about that accent? That was the first thing I ever met. And I was like, you know, there's millions of people dig this accent. Millions. And that's all I need. I don't need, if I got the Southeast, I'll take it. Why don't you do something about that accent? I know, right? I uh, know. That's what I tell people all the time. I moved to New York. That's all I'm doing about it. Right. I ain't taking lessons. My my older brother, uh, my oldest brother played football, and when he was finished playing, he was doing local modeling around the southeast. And he was pretty good at it, right? And he got so good at it that some of those agencies decided to send him to New York because they thought – and he was, he was too big because of the football. So he was just a little too big for all the sizes for the print work. And his accent was a thousand times worse than mine. So there was no <laughs> way he was going to get to do anything. So they told him to go home and, t and take some lessons. Now, I don't know this at all. He's 12 years older than me. Yeah. I'm just over hanging out at college weekend. We're watching some football or something. And I can hear him in the back bedroom. I hear somebody going, A-E-I-O-U. <laughs> goes on and on two or three times. No. I finally go down the hall. I look at him. He's in front of the mirror doing this. And I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, they told me if I wanted to make it in the modeling world, I had to work on hey. my accent. <laughs> Here, here's how no, here's how it came down. A E I O U and sometimes y'all. Yeah, okay, true. <laughs> sometimes y'all. But he I remember that was the first day. I was probably about twenty. 
and he's 32, and I'm like, you know, you're my oldest brother. You were my hero till today. You were my hero <laughs> till today. This is the first time I've actually thought I don't have anything to do with you I at know. all. <laughs> but do pe I, people ask me, you know, I'm sure you get it too, especially up in New York. I'm down here in South Florida, which is New York. Sure. You That's know. What I was but, about. Uh, but they're they're like, you never got rid of your accent, and I go, no. No, no, I never saw any need to get rid of my accent. Yeah. And me and you both have this. When we go home, oh, we don't have an accent. Uh, well, to my, them, my friends tell me they think mine's gone. I know. They they actually <laughs> really? we go. Yeah, yeah. Every, I'll really? not be there less than an hour, and someone will go. We don't know who you are anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. I, I know who you are. You're a dumbass. <laughs> you can't hear this. <laughs> I used when we when we opened the comedy catch in Chattanooga first. And then came down here. So when I first came down here to open the club, I booked a bunch of this, you know, those guys sure. up there. I mean, I get up there. Get on that stage and talky started talky like this. And I mean, my crowds are sitting there. I mean, they're they're nice and they're wanting to. And they, and they go. They, if I go, I, I go. I, there's. As far as they're concerned, that guy's speaking a foreign language. They had no idea what they were saying. But you know Daniel Whitney, a.k.a. Cable guy. Cable yeah, guy. Yeah. But Dan's not. But he's, I know it. He's not like that. That's what I'm saying. If you talk to him, he's, that's not his stage guy. He copied well, it. It's a combination of a whole bunch of people. Yeah, but, you know, Dan. The Hill grew, J, gra right. Dan grew up in Nebraska. But by the time he was a teenager, his parents, I believe, had moved to Palm Beach. Palm Beach, yeah. And he went to high school in Palm Beach, so. I mean, he really never well, so grew up with heart. I mean, I don't think. With, he's like, from the country, but they don't have an accent. No, he's no. From. I've been out there to Pawnee City yeah. in Beatrice. <laughs> I've been to his house where he lives now. Yeah. And not a soul really? anywhere within a thousand miles of him sounds like this. He adopt, he co-opted it from his time in South Florida, sure. listening to various people come down here, the Southerners coming down here on vacation, the Spring Breakers. Right. He copied he, us. Then. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Ryan says it's him. <laughs> Tom Ryan has a comedian who, who has no accent. But, but Ryan, and they're dear, dear friends. They're yeah, 30, yeah. But, but Ryan can talk just like him. And he'll go, he stole this from me. And he'll just start talking like him, which is not true at all. Which Whitney thinks is hilarious. Oh, God. Not unless you get a residual check. That's true. Oh, man. Oh. Uh, great. So anyway, hopefully we'll get to now, see the women's amateur tomorrow yeah. for a little while. I cannot. I did not know that. So they're only round no, Saturday. I didn't know Saturday. it until Gid just told me. Oh, yeah, last two rounds. No, they're doing a practice round tomorrow, and then Saturday there is the final actual tournament. Oh, they get yeah. a practice. Because what they're okay. doing is they're giving all the girls, including the ones that didn't make the cut, a chance to play Augusta. Okay. And I was telling him, I said, I guarantee you, they they they're assigning them Augusta caddies. They would have I would hope to. So. It would be a, you know, would be a bloodbath. Unless you're just going to blindfold them. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that works better, I find. <laughs> you never know. Hey, we, we, you know what? It's actually Frisbee golf. We're not playing regular <laughs> golf. We're switching it up on you. It's actually my, Frisbee My buddy that was a head pro up in Aiken who played it a couple times, he goes, I can't tell you how many times. And, of course, when you talk about the elevation, you're walking up, up towards – and you, how many? He goes, how many shots you hit into blind? They're blind shots into a green. Yeah. And you hit, and this is a pro. Right. And you, and he goes, and I hit a shot, and I go, that is fucking on it. And he goes, as you're walking up, that ball is rolling back towards you as fast. Oh my god. I mean, like oh, somebody wow. hit it back there. Back <laughs> with another club. You, with another. You know, like did that hit a wow. tree? What happened? Wow. And he goes, man, it's just, you know, it's unfathomable, you know, for 
you know. Well, I knew that's why that famous year when Sergio was running and jumping. Yeah. He's doing that because he was trying to see. Yeah. He's running and hopping and running and hopping because he didn't know where the damn thing was. No, you know, a, a, Have you been to the grounds before? Oh, I, my freshman year at Auburn, I worked for the sports information department, and I – I got to go with the athletic director wow. of the first round on Thursday, and we walked the whole round. And I had credentials because wow. I was I was that was my job. Yeah. And then, like an idiot, I stayed in Auburn to chase women the next three days <laughs> instead of going back. I could have oh, gone all four days wow. if I'd have wanted to, but I was eighteen and horny. Yeah. Right. I'm like, there's a hand job waiting for me at the pot couch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to hell with the. You'd seen the core. What? <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I should have gone back. That was one of the biggest oh. regrets. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I went to the prize I went to practice round. Twice, but back then you could pay fifteen dollars and go in. And I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, right. And then uh, we went back. I was in the lottery and got tickets one time and, and took Pam. But you know, Gid made a point. You know, to go, it's like going to Super Bowl or anything else. A Motel Six. We talked about this early. Cost you three hundred dollars oh, yeah, a night. Right, yeah. uh, uh, if you can get tickets, oh my Certainly. god! And the whole nine. And and the, if you're the practice round tickets. When I last time I got mine about five years ago, I said just for the hell of it, because they cost me thirty dollars a piece or something. When you, I said let's see what I can sell them for, and, and I could have sold them for three or four hundred dollars. Oh piece. wow, okay, well, that for makes Tuesday, sense. That for makes the damn sense. Practice yeah, round. that makes sense. Though. So you know, it, it's uh, it, it's 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 just astronomical to go to this thing. But Gid was making the point. Now that these girls are playing on that Saturday, I wonder what it would be like to get a ticket for that. That really? might be your way to go sure, see that's the course. True. And see some probably decent golf, too. You know, oh, I'm, God, yeah. I'm sure these girls don't suck. Oh, God. No, no, no. Because they're from Auburn. All right. No, we'll cut one of them. But, they're, but you might. know, just to see the course itself. Now, now you said you grew, you're from Oxford? I'm from Oxford, Alabama. But that is Auburn. No, it's 100 miles from Auburn. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Old Miss is Oxford, Mississippi. Right, right. And usually that's where people get confused. They're like, the colleges are. I'm like, no, that's Old Miss and Oxford, Mississippi. Is Oxford west or south? It's between Birmingham and Atlanta on I-20. So I-20 goes right across the northern part of the state, and it's right. It's 100 miles. It's uh, 100 miles to Atlanta and 50 miles to Birmingham. It's almost I dead in the middle. I played a gig there one time, the Alabama Show, show Palace. Yes. Yes, you did. You're lucky to get out alive. Let me tell you what. The, uh -oh. guy, the guy behind... I was the first one sure, of course to do were. it, and it was through Creative. And I walked in, and I was, and I met the owner, and he knew my grandfather. Oh, that's a and sign. that helped. That's sure, sure. And, and so, it, so then he he was willing to. I go, look, man, do you mind if I reset your room a little bit to make this better? And he said, yeah. So you know, he let me do a few things, which you know, because it's a big fucking dance floor. Oh yeah, it's huge. So then. The three doorman, big old huge motherfucker, <laughs> uh, sitting up there. I said something about hecklers. He goes, the guy turns around, and he had the butt end of a nine millimeter sticking out oh, of the back shit. of his pants, and he goes, you won't have any hecklers. <laughs> it, it was and, that and the play. guy That's beside great. him, he goes, he can pick them out of a crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Still let the good ones stand. Don't right. have to worry about injuring a bystander. And then he goes, and you better be funny, boy. Yeah, well, same thing. <laughs> How right. much time are you doing left? Uh, about 15 minutes. 15 minutes. 20 max. Was that the signal that we're being too loud? Or no. No, no. She was just telling you it's time to go. She's just coming. Okay, all right. Oh, don't forget this lip. No. No, we're fine. We're fine. Oh, and once again, this is just a, you know, we're just chatting whenever you want to talk about that's the same. That's the same bar where Foxworthy told the story of where he went in there and 
the guy came over when he walked off stage and paid him in front of all the, the crazy people. He walked wide up, a big, oh, shit. Yeah, that rough and rowdy crowd. The guy walks over and goes, so it's uh, $350, right? 20, 40, just started counting the money out. And he goes, as soon as they handed it to him and walked away, he goes, like 30 guys ran up to him and goes, you shoot pool? Oh, yeah. And he goes, yes, I do, and I'm awesome. As a matter of fact, my stick is in my car. I'll, I'll be right back. With Ronnie Bullard. <laughs> and he hauled out. As quickly as possible. Oh, I'm sure. Holy <laughs> shit. And you know who had played there the week before I was there? The Judge. Of course. Oh, God. I that place be. must have handled 2,000 people. Yeah, it was a big was ass. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, big, big place. God, that was crazy. Oh, well, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, I can't see them playing in there. Oh. God. I had a great show. With I, was, I was telling before you got here, one of the things I missed out on is I, since I was 61 when I got into comedy, I missed all these road stores. These road stories. Oh, sure. You know, all these places where, when comedy was just booming in the 80s, you know, and late, you know, and all that stuff. And right. everybody, if you were a comedian, you could get, a, they'd hire you because they didn't know. Right. You know, there was more work than people. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Damn. And now there's. So, yeah, you could get, your buddy could recommend you, and they were just looking for people. There were, yeah. right. Clubs were popping up in places where there shouldn't be a club. You know, right, yeah. right. little tiny towns like. Which Dayton, Ohio, isn't a small town, but no, no. you need a, you need five hundred thousand people usually to make this work. To make it and, work. And back right. then, towns of 100, 150,000. Dayton, Ohio had two clubs. Montgomery, yeah. Alabama. A really? lot of places that a lot of places that couldn't support one right. had two. Because they're all just jumping for on for a board. year or two. Everybody. Rolling Stone put it on the cover one year. I think it was in '85. They put on the cover that comedy was the rock and roll of the '80s. Right. And for about seven years, from about '84 to '91, '92, it just blew up all over America. Uh, A&E had three different comedy shows just on A&E. That's crazy. Yeah. And then the you com- had the host H- and the comedy. Just stand-up comedy, yeah. right? Like stand-up, just, just the, the host up. and the guy standing in front of the brick wall. You know, <laughs> comedy on the road where they would go to different clubs out yeah. in America. They had A&E's Evening at the Improv well, that they uh, shot at the Improv Bud out Friedman in L.A. Bud Friedman did a yeah. night at the Improv. Yeah, that, they had, there was Caroline's Comedy Hour. You know, right. Out of, yeah. out of Times Square Caroline's in New York City. Right, Those right. are three right there just on the A&E network. Oh, my God. You know, every everybody had a guy standing in front of the brick If you were clicking around, you were going to see just as much as you see a reality yeah. show today just about you were going to see that's crazy. a comedian so, in baggy pants and 80s clothes standing in front of a brick wall <laughs> okay so let me ask you this and i'm serious Les's club and, and i i don't do as, uh, nearly as many clubs i do mostly corporate and stuff like that sure. but he draws a crowd he gets a bigger crowd on wednesday night than most people get on a saturday that's true. It's I mean, this is an A room. It's all and the marketing. Everybody yeah. knows that too. But you got to stay on top of it. You have right. to be a caring club owner and a good club owner. Yeah, exactly. Most of those clubs that failed, it's but because they cared. It was because the bar business people had just in various forms of bar. When karaoke's big, they off that. When yeah. Western was big, they put the bull in their bar or whatever. Right, you know? right, yeah. right. But this is that was that's the skeevy bar world, and they would snort up all the profits or drink them all or somebody. Didn't right. Know. So most of those clubs didn't fold because the city rejected comedy. It was just bad business management. Yeah. And yeah. He, he's not that. Well, he's that's a comic. Why, that's, and yes, right. That's why exactly. he's been thriving for 30-something well, years. I, you I, have I, to care. Yeah. And these little independent mom and pops, uh, comedy off Broadway in Lexington, Kentucky, the Comedy Magic in Hermosa Beach, California, the Comedy Castle in yeah. Detroit, Michigan. Right. Those are the ones that have survived because right. it's their business. Yeah, and they yeah. care. And they, and they know what to do, yeah. and they've taken care of the comedians and, and, the, and their community. Yeah. And the people know they're not going to get something skeevy. That's so. what every comic, when they come in here, they always say almost the same thing about that they feel like they're taken care of. Dude, I'm in the condo over there. Do you know yeah. how many nightmare stories there are about condos yeah. across yeah. the country? <laughs> I told Pam the other night, I'm like, it is so refreshing to get in the shower and go, 
I don't care if this shower curtain touches, touches my leg. You know, everything's going to be fine. I'm I not going to have to run across the street buying buy a new one at Walgreens. I did, yeah. a, I did a show in, uh, in Myrtle Beach about three years ago, and we went into the condo. And the only reason I did that is because we were with another comedian that I knew. Right. Because I wouldn't do it if I didn't know the other comedian. And so we go into our bathroom off of our bedroom, and we looked, at the, and we didn't even. T- we went back to Walmart and bought the shower curtain. Of course. And what was so oh funny God. is I was just telling him that's common. This when, is super don't care. Common. When don't we got when we got the key from the lady to go to the condo, she says, "I want you to know, I've, I'm the one that cleans the condo." So it's and I went on with like. I should go back and slap her. Right, yeah. Then yeah. You're, then you she's like half blind. Right. And right. Yeah, you know. There's no like, sense you know. of smell. Well, she's I mean, always cleaning you know. it. Yeah. I'm actually in this bed in my, like, you know, my underwear. <laughs> Other, otherwise, I'm fully clothed. <laughs> Every condo, I've turned the air conditioners. In, in the dead of, dead, of, dead of summer, dead of winter, I got the air conditioner going full of blast because I'm sleeping in socks and sweatpants <laughs> and a long Hot sleep t-shirt. <laughs> Absolutely. It's that. Or you, if you're, if you're, it, that's if you get a firm mattress. Usually right, you get right. the mattress that you lay on and the damn thing folds oh, up around like a hot dog bun. <laughs> You're just right there in the middle of it, you know. Oh my God! Oh, there's so many, you know. The clean. I told there's a there's the Keurig was loaded up and ready to go. There's, yeah, you know yeah. there's 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 biscotti. It's like in this condo. There's biscotti for God's sake. It's like uh, it's like a fantasy place to stay. I don't know. It's like vacation for a lot of comics. I know that. Oh yeah, I'm telling you. It's I was, I was just trying to think of what might not be in there, and I don't think I don't think yeah. anything you could think of. No, you, know, you could be one of these hipster bearded comics and go. I wonder if they got any beard oil. <laughs> Hell yeah, open up the medicine cabinet. I'll be damned. They got beard oil, it's kombucha and beard oil. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I brought my skateboard. I wonder if they got a, a wheel a wheel wrench. Oh, right here in this drawer. Look at that. How'd they know I was going to have my skateboard with me? Uh, so, funny. <laughs> so no, it's. It's just ace high first class. Yeah, man. I'm just moving from room to room watching different televisions. Right. <laughs> Seriously. Well, That's you know, how you know you're living right. The other one he used to have when he was over on 41 had, a, had an orange tree in the backyard. Oh. And if you get the right time of the year, you had fresh orange trees. That's like, so good. Wow, yeah. Amazing. I lived in L.A. for a little bit, and I had an orange tree and a lemon tree. And yeah. it, just, it just tickled my Alabama ass to death. I just couldn't <laughs> believe it. It was like a fantasy. I just, well, look at that right there. I can just take it off and eat it. <laughs> we moved to Florida 15 years ago, and my mother calls me up one day. She goes, uh... Could you, when you come to visit, could you bring us some Florida oranges? <laughs> I said, Mom, go to Kroger. They're all Florida oranges. They're all Florida oranges. <laughs> right. We just don't shine them up down here. We just That's eat them like, yeah, we don't do these. Yeah, we don't paint them. Paint them, you know. Pam McCurdy and here walking comes Pam. in the building. Come here, Pam. We were just singing your praises. This is about five minutes on how nice the condo is. Yay! Seriously, it really was. I know. I was literally trying. I'm, I'm just now trying to think of items that are not in there, just to go crazy. <laughs> I'm like, I need a rolling pin. Well, let me open up. The, oh, there's a rolling pin. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you have to admit, though, in the old days. Oh, I mean, and when I would go that's what we were talking about. Oh, the road, oof, oh, oh my God. Really? Yeah. I and spe- I'm as a woman, out with all yeah, guys especially a woman. Yeah, I mean, one of the rooms, the guy just rips the mattress off the bed, throws it on the floor. Ollie Joe Crater. Yeah, I was in the uh. same condo with that uh. man. Oh my gosh, he was a monstrosity. He died. Yeah. He died. If you Ooh. saw him, the first time you ever saw him, you're like, oh, he'll be dead in a year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, and he stole everybody's material, so everybody hated him anyway. So nobody cared. Yeah. <laughs> but he was really kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> he was when he got drunk. He oh. always end up crying. Don't love you guys. Yeah. I love you guys. Weird, weird. He had to sit. He was yeah. so big. He had emotional, to sit down. emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Mess, mess. But yeah, condo 
windows back then, you'd walk in, there'd be nothing. Uh, and got, you'd sit down on a chair and, whoa! Yeah, it just breaks. Yeah. There's two coffee makers. There's a Keurig and a regular one. If I wanted to go, fi- and there's filters and both kinds of coffee. The little Keurig cups are in there. I'm like, really, Pam? Two kinds of coffee? Well, you never know. Some people like a cup. Some people like a <laughs> It's true. Some people travel with their coffee. Oh, yeah. God. I, I know some people yeah. who are coffee connoisseurs, and it's important that they have theirs, you know. Specific. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I'll put a... My buddy DC Benny's a New York comic, and uh, he he called me today about something we're got going in New York next week. And he go, I go, he goes, what are you doing? I go, having a cup of coffee and a dark chocolate almond biscotti. He goes, he goes, where are you? I go, I'm in the condo. He goes, they've got biscotti in the condo. I'm like, hell yes, they do, Ben. <laughs> A lot of times you're stuck too. This is all so close to you can walk to yeah. the club, you can walk downtown. There's right. a lot of times you're uh, you're out there on the underneath the underpass at some you know holiday <laughs> and it's a nice hotel, but like in Austin, Texas, there's no sidewalks. You can't walk anywhere. Oh, so you have to call an Uber or call a cab and you have to get in the car and go somewhere. Right, and that, right. everybody, or you have to jump across eight lanes of interstate traffic. I've done that. <laughs> oh, I've run, I've been hauling my cracker ass across eight lanes of interstate coast. Because Papa Cedars was on the other side, and I wasn't going to Uber across the road. I'm like, I'm just going to make a mad dash to get across here. But this is accessible, yeah. and it's yeah. really, really nice. No, it's totally a lot of the comics walk to their condo. It's pretty fun. I think it helps them, too. Like exercise. I love it. a little bit. Anytime you, know you can walk to work, any comedian will tell you. Yeah. I love it right. when the gig's in the hotel. You just take the elevator down to the lobby. <laughs> right. I'm that lazy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm completely that lazy. I was telling somebody the other night, we were uh, Rob Bartlett is a crazy Mets fan and a New York legend, worked for Imus and all these guys and we were in Toledo, Ohio in eighty six when the ball rolled through Billy Buckner's leg and let the Mets oh, back no. you know, and let them yeah. back in and they won they eventually won the World yeah. Series. Well yeah. he's crazy Mets. So the the whole the gig's in the hotel. So he's got me running up in the in the elevator up to my room watching an inning or two and then coming <laughs> back down because I can get behind the curtain and the crowd can't see me and I can whisper what's going on in the game. <laughs> so he would see me come back in the room and he would inch backwards to the curtain where he could stand there kind of still doing his act with one ear cocked. Take a sip of water. And I'm behind the curtain and, and when the ball goes through Buckner's legs I run back and I'm like you're not gonna believe it. <laughs> and he, he goes, "What?" And the whole lot. And then he finally has to pull the curtain up and goes, uh, "He's been. I'm a Mets fan. He's been giving me updates the whole game because <laughs> I think my team just made it to Game Seven. That's <laughs> amazing. So, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, that's the road. That's, that's yeah. nothing better than when the gig is. You know, take right the elevator. Take yeah. the elevator to the gig. Yeah, this is second best. Yeah. But I like the walk. Yeah. Dude. This reminds me of New York because. My home club in New York is the comic strip because it's eight blocks from my apartment. Okay. I, it's crazy, too. You, uh, you just brought back that you're living in New York, and I just heard you refer to yourself as a cracker. Right. It, you've lived longer in New York probably than you have yes. in the South. Yes. I left Auburn when I was, I left Alabama when I was graduated from Auburn, left I was 22, and, now, and I've been gone 34 years. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, pretty much. So Never think, got rid of the accent. Yeah. Still. No. Me and Les call each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> About once a year. You think it's going away? No, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny up there in the city, though, when they hear that accent, you know, and they're just oh, like, yeah. are they just taking back? traffic sometimes. <laughs> really? Yeah, they're just like, you know. If you yell across a crowded bar every, if Pam was at a table and I was at the bar, yeah. and, I, you know, if there were seven or eight tables between me and Pam, and I yell, I'm like, Hey, Pam, I forgot what you wanted. What do you want? And she went, bring me a beer. Yeah. Every every head between the two of us would snap like whiplash. Yeah. Like they were watching on Wimbledon. Yeah. <laughs> and then on the way back to taking the drinks to the table, Pam, they would all stop me and go, where are you from? Right. Sit down. Just talk to us. Really? Yeah. Just yeah. talk to us. Say something else, cartoon man. <laughs> Car- cartoon. <laughs> that is funny. It's- 
Yeah. You lived you lived there though. How long? I did. I only lived there for about four years uh, when I graduated from the Oslo in Sarasota. Moved right. Back moved up there. Great great gig, but. I had one of those horror stories. I literally had everything I owned in one suitcase. Went to meet my brother. Oh, no. I was supposed to arrive in New York City with a roommate, you know, place waiting on sure. me, job. A lot of people falling for that. Yeah, she yeah. she calls me the day I'm supposed to, the day before I'm supposed to, you know, be in New York City going, I'm sorry, but I'm moving in with my boyfriend. Oh, I go, so no. did you guys leave me a place? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, come yeah. on, man. Come on. Nope. Oh. So I made a, I'm, you know, it's too late now. You're yeah, I'm in. I made some phone calls that night, freaking out. My friends all rallied, and I'm getting a call on the security. Sorry. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. What do we need? She's got to go do some boss she lady gotta go work. Kick somebody gotta out. Do some boss lady work. Some boss lady. Don't yeah. mess with her. She's don't, a ninja. Don't mess with Pam. That's She's cool. a ninja. I the only blonde table. ninja. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take you out. Uh, I've oh, had the man. pleasure of uh, throwing people out with Pam and I, I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> I just sat I'm there. Sure. I let yeah. her do everything Stand she wanted in the background to do. Yeah. I, was like, I was just there to protect them from her, really. That's all I had to do. <laughs> I'm gonna steal the water man real quick. Yeah man, you walk around and do whatever yeah. you gotta do man. It's just a just a conversation. Right now both the comics are just uh doing their thing, getting ready for their sets. I think Les is about to get off soon. There's some. There should be some waters in the, some bottles of water too in the in the thing, in the little mini fridge. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, those are for show. <laughs> we got nice bottles of water on stage. We're we're fancy. Glass and everything. Glass and everything. Not even plastic. If you drop it, it'll it'll break. You be careful. For you. When I serve, I have to open these for people all the time. You loosened it. You loosened it. That's how that works. How's he doing out there, kid? Yeah. No, what are the chances of that? Posted if you have two oxygen containers, you get in for half. <laughs> Check your walkers at the door. <laughs> Check your walkers at the door. No, everything's all right. I had a lame valet parking uh, guy just told me that he was going to be leaving. He parked some of our customers' cars up front, returned their keys to them, charged them five bucks, but he's leaving. He's not going to stay. So I'm calling his Wait. boss, and I'm not paying for valet parking for tonight. Wow. See? Don't Good don't God. mess don't mess with Pam. He's an idiot, though. Yeah. Well, oh, what's his problem? Yeah. I bet he's 22. He's okay. probably 22. Here's, he's got something going on. Yep. You know? Yeah. I'm gonna go stick my head in watching. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I would not want to be that valet guy right now. No. I'll tell you that. I did a show for a valet company several years ago. It's the only time I ever walked off the stage. 
Uh, it was in West. Really? Co- it was in the East Coast, and it was at a Hilton. Very nice. For I went a valet over. company, like a little corporate. Yeah, the company that, that does valet for all the hotels and oh, okay. in that West Palm area. Yeah. And uh, I get over there early, as because I'm a professional, and I went to the hotel, and I'm talking with the lady who's running the event and the lady from the Hilton catering department right. about the timing. Yeah. And it's set. It's a large room. Holds probably two, a couple of thousand. But they got 500 seats up front and a buffet in the back. Okay. Or five hundred oh, seats and tables. Oh, yes. Buffet. Oh, so here's no. what's has going to happen. She says we'll start serving at six, and uh, at about six forty-five, the president of the company will go up and make some about ten minutes of remarks, and then you can come up and do your comedy. I said, great, perfect. And the lady from the Hilton said, just you know, she says, I know we we won't even start you until we get the tables cleared. Right. And right. once you start, we won't do any more table service till you're over. I said, great. Six forty, they hadn't even started serving dinner. And so all of a sudden they start serving dinner. Now everybody goes to the back. Yeah, the, everybody. There's a buffet. That's, that's where the food is. Oh God. And the lady comes up to me and says, "You know, we're running behind. We're going to go ahead and put you up and let you start." I said, "Well, nobody's in their seats at their tables. They're all back there. I know, but we need to get back on schedule." So I went up there and I stayed about ten minutes, and then it's like, you know what? I'm better than this. Yeah. Because there was nobody there. Yeah. And then so when I talked to the booker later, he goes, "What did you do?" I said, what do you mean? She said, you said, she said, you got upset because the audience wasn't responding. I said, no, because they were on the back getting food. <laughs> they there was there. no audience. <laughs> they weren't even there. But see, yeah. those are the kind of stories when you're doing comedy. You end up, you run through those, and that's what happens to you yeah. because they just take advantage of you. Well, that sounds like somebody that has no clue how a show runs at all. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that, see, that's one of the things that uh, when you work with somebody like Les, he knows how this thing works. Yeah. And it's a well-oiled machine. Right. You go to a guy who's decided to... Try book comedy. Let's uh, let's put comedy in the back room and see how it goes. Right, right. You know, I had a friend who went into a store, a, store, a cafe or restaurant in North Carolina, and he he's he shows schedule. He goes in there and he notices that North Carolina is playing basketball that night. Right. And it starts at the same time as the, as the show. Yeah. And the guy, oh, he no. says to the guy, he says, "Well, we need to turn off the television." He says, "Oh, we can't do that." Because they're here to see the game. We'll just turn the sound off. He goes, no. He said, well, then why don't you just wait until after the game is over? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, so you get that stuff, and you just go, you know what? Okay, give me my money. I'm out yeah. of here. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah, well, that's exactly. why now, because <clears throat> I, I do a lot of my own shows at, at country clubs and places like that, and I've got a lot of stuff like that in my contract. Yeah. You know, because uh, otherwise they'll just, they don't know. Yeah, they just don't get it. They don't. Yeah. They don't know. You know. Of course, somebody. Oh yeah, they can. They can get food and you know stand on the line yeah. and appreciate comedy at the same time. Oh yeah. No, that's well, not how it works. Well, uh, that's one of the things. Uh, there's a couple of comedy clubs I play at that have dinner, regular dinner. Yeah. And boy, if you're the feature there, you're throwing yourself on the hand grenade because you're going up and half the people just got their fifty dollar dinner. Yeah, not, they don't care. Where they don't stuff. care. They're cutting in the steak and They're everything. They're cutting the steak. <laughs> yeah, 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 Plus, yeah. if they're really old, you don't want them to laugh because they'll choke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all you need you is a 911 call in the middle of your set. <laughs> yeah. I'll be right back after this emergency. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, no, this is, you know, it's, it's a crazy world. And, you know, I took Les's class. And, I, you know, I got just, I learned so much just listening to the stories. I yeah. Mean, good yeah. grief. I mean. You, what, remember the uh, what was the movie with Patrick Swayze? It was, you know the Roadhouse. Road, Roadhouse yeah. Yeah, yeah. When the band was behind the chicken wire, and they were throwing beer bottles at the chicken wire. Oh, was that Roadhouse? Or was, was that Ro- was that uh, Blues Brothers? 
No, what, oh, blue. Yeah, it was Blues Brothers. Those it, sometimes playing. it's sometimes it's almost the same thing. Yeah. You know, it, you just you you want something between you and the audience. Right, right, right. Anyway. Oh, I think. Try, try. Okay. Right, here we go. I have to go be funny. All right, Gid, it's Gid's time to shine. They seem like a good audience. I think, I think you'll get them. Right now, Gid's about to be introduced, and then Les will be right back up on the podcast. And Vic just disappeared. He's probably chugging Red Bulls in the corner, getting ready, drinking coffee. Yeah, he went to check ch- ch- out the show for a little bit, probably keep yeah. an eye on the audience. I know he likes to, he likes to uh, sign you out. And that's a good thing. When, when a head, like, especially in a room you've never played before, you kind of sit in the back and watch. I just let you know I had a little situation with Valerie Parking. I just got off the phone with Go ahead and tell our, tell our listeners about well, our situation with well, Valerie Parking. Don't <laughs> fuck around. Yeah. That's right. It, yeah. What makes me mad is that this little boy who looks like he's 14 parking cars tonight yeah. came up to me to let me know he was returning people's keys to them because he was going home. I said, what do you mean? You're, you valet parked cars. Yeah, I did. Did you charge the customer $5 and you're giving them their key back God. to go get their car? Well, they're pulled right up front. No, no, no. You charging yeah. them the full price and you're not giving the full service. That ain't service. the contract we have, That's dick right. weed. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> it's a service. That's right. Ballet that service. That's the way the contract reads, you don't <laughs> So I basically told, I just called George and said, no. If I have, pay, I'm paying valet parking. Yeah. You're not giving me a discount when no cars come through and they go home. Yeah. I'm not getting any. No, I want them here till the, yeah. the guy pays $5 out of his valet. You he park be, the car, you deliver right. the car. That's, that's right. what valet parking is. Yeah. That's right. You know what I mean? That's what the damn deal is. That's fucking stupid. So anyway, we, w- we worked that out, and we'll have more discussions on that later. Just letting you know. I'm going to go back to the showroom. All right. Please. Thank you. Keep control. All right. What do you think? I was here when that all happened. Oh. <laughs> you yeah. Saw the boss in action. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I saw the Tasmanian devil before she started twirling. <laughs> she came in here regular and started twirling. <laughs> so I'm like, man, Pam. I was joking, too. I could tell something was up, and I'm like, I go, something's not up with her. She goes, yes, there is. Yeah. I was like, okay, sorry. I'm like, sure, but I could tell by the way her posture oh, yeah. that something was up. Back when we, of course, back when we first opened and we were in the fucking banquet room at the Holiday Inn, you know, and sure. it was just me and her, right. you know, and I mean, and I, 
when people, you know, somebody, somebody, uh, you know, is getting, you know, goofy in the crowd, and to see, to see her little five foot three ass. I mean, <laughs> I've seen her walk up to men that she co- barely comes up to the bottom of their chest. Right. Yep. And she, and she's got that finger up there, and I mean that. They Nobody listen. Fucks with yeah. It's almost better that I think the drunken idiot man will deal with the authoritative smaller female than he would the. the yeah. If I, you confront brute with brute, I think yeah. the, I think the, the drunk will listen to the lady more yeah, often. Yeah, than, exactly. You know, exactly. You, know. you got to be a real idiot. We know something that happened here. Uh, we have a female security guard for the first time, and so my manager called me. This was the, several months ago. My manager says. Um, I've got, I've just, you know, uh, interviewed a bunch of people. And she goes, the one I want to hire is a female. And I go, well, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean. Well, sure. Right. That was my natural. You don't hear female bouncer. Exactly. I go, no. There's, uh, I mean, what's. And, of course, I started talking about being a certain size and weight. And, you know, she goes, she meets all of that. Okay, yeah. and I go, and she's I think ex military and all oh that okay, kind of, all yeah. that kind Female of stuff. So I go, <laughs> okay, but still, I was thinking more along the lines of, uh, you know, you want a big intimidating yes. guy. So yeah, that's what you just think, so that you that, that it stops things. But two things happen, and I said no, and then I'm in a uh, I'm in a luncheon group that's just all business people and it's an empowerment group it's not about networking it's about making each other better challenging each other so i brought up to the group i said i got a situation and this is how i dealt with it and i'd like to get your opinion and every one of them said hire her oh not even one was with not even one they all went yes well and that was what several of them said they go i'll bet you find she can diffuse a situation maybe better than a guy oh, can okay. for sure and for sure. and barbara's been great she's been great. We've hats off it. to you for throwing you know. it out there yeah why go to the luncheon if you're not going to take the benefits oh, of it oh of course of you course know, and then, oh, yeah. i was and then learn something because i was headstrong i go shit i've been in the bar That's business right. for right. you know 40 years right. i've never seen no. a female right. dormant security yes. person yeah you know with that and they go well Females are in the military. Females are cops. I go, they have guns yeah. and nightsticks right. and, right. and pepper spray yeah, and sure. backup. <laughs> you right. know, yeah, I mean, yeah. they have right. a whole Resources. team and shit. Yeah. But I tell you what, at rethinking that and, and boy, she, Barbara's been great. That's she cool is, to hear, yeah. man. That's a good job. Because we don't, as we said, we, we don't allow our doormen to lay hands on anyone anyway unless no. they right. come at you. You Defend know what I mean? Yourself, sure. You would never, you never do. You always call the cops and let the cops deal with it. Yeah. You know, but uh, there was a club. There was a funny bone in Boise, Idaho, for about fifteen, sixteen years, and it was a really good club. And uh, but in the middle, somewhere about the eighth or ninth year, for for a couple of years, they had this trigger happy bouncer staff that uh, they had to put their hands on some people and throw some people out. Then they got drunk with power. Uh-huh. And then for about a year, when you'd show up, the first thing they wanted to tell you is they were all jacked up because they wanted to throw somebody down the stairs. Because uh-huh. you had to go up. So they were, there was this back interest that got you down to the street, and they prided themselves on just throwing motherfuckers out. <laughs> you know, and they're just gleefully smiling oh, about it. Uh, yeah. You know, and then, so that was during the period where all the communities goes, these guys are a little too excited about beating the piss out like of people. Like they want to yeah. throw yeah, people Yeah, and they out, did. Yeah. And sure enough, it took, but it took about two cycles of me going in there for them to get rid of all of them. Yeah. yeah. So well, too, too say, many people, people are going to start suing order. the club and stuff. That's like what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, get right, your ass right, sued right, off. Right. Oh, you know? for sure. For oh, sure. Oh, for sure, man. 
you know? Yeah, without a doubt. No, we, you know, the police all, way back when we first got started, the first time we called the police, when we had somebody that we said, you need to leave. I mean, they're just, you know, it's just that person that's ruining the show. Yep. And, and they're like, no, I'm not going anywhere. And so we call the police. And uh, they come over and, of course, you know, escort them out. But the police always said, you should always call us. You Certainly. should never Don't try. even attempt it. Right. No, you should never. No matter how big your guys right. are, you should never do I'm that. I'm sure it makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And I, lo- and I love that the call. Oh, hell yeah. Do absolutely. That, yeah. You know. And the last time we had it, Jamie Kennedy was here. First time he was ever here. And, cause <laughs> he's, I, not a, he's not a brawler. And, uh, no, no. <laughs> and, uh, and it was just a couple of years ago and yeah, he'd never been here before. it was in this club too right yes in, in this, this room and uh we we had two couples and they were your typical wealthy 40-ish uh-oh you don't tell uh, nobody right. tells Correct. us what we did sure. right you know nobody you know we yep. we know people we can buy and sell you in a heartbeat you know is that that i got it yeah sure yeah so uh, they're you know they've been asked two or three times to be quiet and they're just like fuck you, and so then uh, our manager goes over and tells them go look, the police are coming and that and that's what we always do we go to them we go, the police are on their way we don't bluff, you know and so we're giving you a minute, it'll take them a few minutes to get here so you can be gone yeah sure I'm giving you the, I'm chance. giving you the leeway Here's, I'm holding the door you can be out of here right, right. way before they get here. <laughs> You know, or you can deal with that. And they're like, we ain't going anywhere. Now so you're the, trespassing at that yes. point. Yeah. So the two cops came in. They were right in the middle of the room, but they were just far enough back where they're, you know, to the stage, you're just seeing oh, okay. shadows. So it's you not know. full on, like, yeah. right down No, back, no, right. not down front. You're just kind of seeing seeing the silhouettes. And Jamie's up on stage. And when these the cops walked up, and the, the two guys at the table at, at first bucked up to them a little bit. And I went, oh, uh, I love this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's yeah. try it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's win the Go party and start it. Yeah. But thank God the wives had the sense yeah. to go. Okay, that's Hey, nice. guys, right. these are police. I, I ain't going to jail yeah. tonight. And um, so, you know, so there, it didn't, it wasn't like they just tapped on the shoulder and the guys went, oh, okay. And they walked. There was a, there was a bit of a discussion and stuff. So Jamie, at some point, realizes something's going on. He can kind of see, and he ducks under the lights and sees those two cops. And he's going, are there police <laughs> in the showroom? And I'm, and I'm saying back, I go, yeah, yeah Jamie, yeah, there are. Yeah. He goes, do not fuck with the McCurdy. He's like, he's like, I've played a lot of dive ass fuck. He said, this is a nice place. And he goes, he goes, McCurdy's will call the fuck. Yeah, we will. But, you know, but I'll tell you what, me and Pam found out early on. You know, when we first opened, first two years is when you had your problems. And once you call the cops in, it takes maybe seven or eight times. Then the word gets out. I agree. You're training your audience. They do. They go, you can't fuck around in there. They'll call the cops. Just like if you're in the the community theater being a dickhead. Right, right. They will call the police there. It's not just a bar bar, you know? Yeah, exactly. And when we moved, each time we moved, you had to retrain that. Makes sense. You had to show that you were willing to do it. No, no, no. 
But like we were talking about the difference between good clubs and bad clubs earlier. A lot of them won't take the time to do that. I know. You know, they won't. And you, you really do. The, the good hands-on people, not part of a chain. It's usually somebody that's got their life at stake like Les. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. But they, they learn these. They know these things, and then they apply them. They don't just let it coast on through hoping yeah, they'll yeah, catch yeah. on. You have to train them. You're going to start on time. Yeah, right. yeah. You know, you start starting at five after, then it's ten after, then it's fifteen after, then over the course of a year, your audience has learned you don't have to be at the show on time. Yeah. Right? Well, it doesn't start till seven fifteen, even though it says seven. Yep. And the, those little nuts and bolts are what make you know the, the A room versus the C or D room. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. For you sure. Don't let the audience designate. Right. What happens? And you yeah. Know? And they also have to be the good ones like himself. They'll also book things that they might not like personally. It might not be their kind of sense of humor. Oh God, yeah. But through right. your first through your first few years, you got to bring in every kind of thing in the world to find out what your audience wants to see. Oh, How yeah. far are they willing to go? Absolutely. Will yeah. they see anything from P, from PG thirteen to triple X to a yeah. mime or a music act? And it's just again, you have to pay attention to that and apply that. And the good ones do, and then yeah. the bad ones don't. Oh, I I said years ago, and, and I've st- I made this statement many times. If I only booked who I liked, we'd have gone out of business sure. in a year. Yeah. Yeah. And, the glib- <laughs> and, the, and, and the good owners will say that and yeah. tell you that, you know. You know. So yeah. I was there. So I was making fun, you know, years and years ago when I just started traveling. And uh, and I was at, I was in Kentucky, election in Kentucky. And, and Jeff Gilstrap, the owner then, yeah. he passed away. But yeah. I'm looking at his calendar, and I'm kind of taking some – I'm like, this dude's a mime. Come on. <laughs> his wife plays the clarinet, and he dresses as a – he's like, look, Vic, if I book just what I wanted all the time, yeah. I've been open for seven years. If I booked what I wanted, no one would be here. Right. He, goes, it'd be, he goes, it'd be Tim Wilson every week, right. practically. Right. You know, he named like three or four – Ron Schock, he immediately yes. named three or four of his favorites. Right. And he goes, I'd have them on a three-month rotation. And he goes, that can't work. I have to show up here a right. little bit of everything. And he goes, and what he learned is they liked almost everything. Hardly anything was rejected. As broad as he went with it, right. yeah. those different types of things would always dr- yeah. prove that the crowd liked it, and he would invite them back. It was when one of the most got, diverse schedules I'd ever seen. Well, you know, when you've got a – and, you know, that I like this city, and it's that way because people from Absolutely, all over. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and if you've got a fairly sophisticated town – you can do, and it's fun yeah. as a booker to be able to go. Absolutely, I can bring you. I can bring yeah. DL Hughley. Yeah, yeah. And oh, then yeah. I can bring a Canadian guy, and then I can bring right. a, a you know a puppet master. Right. And yeah. that's fun because there are some markets I've seen to where it's hard to do. Because, certainly, because most of the crowd grew up in that town. Yep. Yeah. And so they have a really kind of a singular taste. In what what and yeah. and they no do diversity. Kind, yeah. they do kind of book a same kind of act a lot. Gilstrap was the first guy I ever saw on his schedule. He would kind of rate them. He had his own little rating system. Yeah, we do that. And so I've, I didn't look. So he uh like if you if like if this is very esoteric and dry and smart, he would he had a well, I forgot what he called that one, but uh, the one yeah. If he thought that uh, th- it was that, that it was going to be too sharp, too dry, too current events, too this, too that, and the other, it had a stamp on it that had like a redneck guy burping, like like Barney on The Simpsons. <laughs> it was that face with the big burp, and it had the stamp on it, and it said, Bubba be gone. <laughs> this is not the show for you. And then, you know, try next week. And then whoever was the next week would be somebody that would be like Killer Bees or somebody that totally yeah. fits sort of the, okay. the southern angle a little yes. more than, yes. than right. Brett Leak. Who's going to yes. sit there and be esoterically yes, brilliant? brilliant. You, you, yeah. you know, so. Tom but Brown. I thought, I, yeah, I didn't know you did that. That's you know, again very rare. You never see no. like rating in the calendar when oh, they send out your yeah. schedule. You never, which helps everybody. I, think I would want to so come important that the audience. I've, I've seen it over the years. Not only rating and and let them know. So when they're calling in all my box office staff, everybody like we put out a little uh, rip 
on all the comics, and there's it's behind the bar, it's at the weight stand, right. it's in so that everybody's saying the same so, of thing when sure. they ask about right. stuff. But the other thing that I found is is how I introduce you. You know, if yeah. I know now, like for a comic like you, I don't have to get into a lot of because sure. you walk up, you know how to win over the audience, and your material is not extreme. One no, way no, I don't or think another. so. I cuss some, but it's yeah, not. But extreme. not extreme. No. Now, but if there's somebody that's extremely clean or extremely dirty or extremely smart, you know, comedy, I need to let that audience know this is what you're getting. In in just a couple of oh, yeah. sentences, it, I've seen so much the difference in oh yeah, in, absolutely them being prepared. Hands down. For you're priming it. the audience for. Well, they're, yeah, they're prepared for yeah, it. I'm trying to, these, the clean to one, I'm trying to remember some of his now after Bubba, the other one than Bubba Be Gone, it, if he were really, really clean, it was called Aunt Tilly's Drawers, because nice. this act is so clean, <laughs> it's as clean as your Aunt Tilly's underwear. You could bring your old great aunt to this show, that's how clean this right, show is, nice. and it said Aunt Tilly's Drawers, because people do a double take when they're reading, like, what does that mean? And you had to read it again, and he was just trying to say, you could bring your grandmother to this, right. and it'll be okay. Yeah, he was a that's good dude, right. man, he that's was a real Good guy. It was well, you know that's that was, and you know when I hear that, and knowing how Tom Sobel is, oh God, you know that Tom is so eighty eighty partic- miles away was the opposite. Particular, <laughs> you know, just but he's a very particular. Yeah, oh guy. yeah, oh God, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, I like Tom, sure, you know? but uh, yeah. Tom was the first guy ever gave me a bonus for no reason. Yeah, he was the only person I ever heard in comedy that gave bonuses. Really? Comedy was so banging in the 80s. That even back then, they still, every man for himself, a lot of the agents. Yeah. But he was the first guy I'd ever heard of nationally that if you had a good week, he tallied up the money, and he paid you what you're supposed to pay, like a grand for the week or whatever. Right. But then maybe a week or so later when he's gotten all the numbers in from the various clubs, because you did stops. You did four or five stops. Right. And you'd get a letter, and it would say, hey, Les, we had a great week, and I got the numbers, and uh, here's another $300 or whatever. And wow. you go, oh, you've never heard of this ever. No. Wow. Completely unheard of. The first time we were, I was a middle act. And Some he, people say you still are, Les. And, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I had to take one. I, I, I had to take one. You're wrong. We're in the green room. We're in the green room. I had to take one in the green room. It's, it's not fair. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. That's good. That's good. Remind me, of, I'll tell the Brian Bradley story, which, which trumps that one. Uh, but anyway, Tom Sobel, he, he goes, he's going to pay. And Tom's a big guy. He's a big yeah. dude. So, Tom, he pulls us in a storage closet. And shuts the door, and and I this first time I'd ever worked for him, and I go, this is where I get the fuck. This is some right. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna wrong. punch me three times yeah. and go, do you really want your money? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and the guy get, get pay, whatever it was, five hundred bucks, and then gave me I think he gave me one hundred fifty extra dollars, right? Yeah, and just was like, and I was just like, that's unbelievable. So you're a little bit. I used to do a thing and st- where I interviewed the comic after the show for okay. 20 minutes. We, I yeah. think we talked about right. it. I did a bunch of them. So there was a comic named Brian Bradley. I've heard of him. And Brian's a great comedian. And uh, so anyway, uh, I told, we started talking, and I said, you know, there's been a theme for several weeks that all comics are damaged goods, and that's the reason we become comics is that we're damaged goods, is that it's it's a protective nature that is protecting the fact that we were abused or we came from this horrible life or we're ugly or we're unpopular and it's protect yourself and da 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 and Brian goes that's true and then he starts telling his story and it is that story dark and, and I mean it's dark and it's heavy 
and it was not pretty. And he goes through the, and he finishes, and I go, okay, all right. I know that happens, but I go, I had a wonderful life. And he goes, and you're not funny. <laughs> <laughs> no hesitation. Boom, boom. <laughs> uh, the crowd all agreed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you set yourself up for that one. I was getting paid. At, I was getting paid at the comic strip the other night. There's a book, and you sign the sheet, and they give you your cash. And yeah. this girl that just got off stage, Kendra Cunningham, who's very, very funny. She's from Boston. And she's playing I Hear Her Tell the Host. She's like, you know, I wish that would have gone a little better, but I had some new jokes that I wanted to try, and I just didn't feel like pandering. And so she don't know I'm eavesdropping, but no hesitation. I turn around and go, it's what you always do. Why start tonight? Tonight's the night you started to try a whole new thing? Get your ass back to what you do best, goddammit. Get in there and pander. <laughs> and the other guy didn't know me, and he just thought I was being an asshole. And she starts dying laughing immediately. She has to actually look at him. It's a younger guy and go, I know him. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. But yeah. she actually had to explain him because the guy's looking at me like, you fucking asshole. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I can't think of jokes. We're it's friends. What we, it's what we, it's what we do. It's what we do. Bust each other's balls and say you got to do it. I said to the audience last night, I was telling the story, and I reminded them, and I don't always say that when I tell the story, but I reminded them, like, uh, he'll tell you. They, oh, when you did the open would, mic? We would rather see, no, no, at uh, the end of the show, but uh, we would rather see our friend go through some harrowing shit than yeah. to see him get a standing ovation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any, anybody, I can watch Les Kill get a standing yeah. ovation. I know he can do that. Yeah. I want to see somebody throw a vibrator out of their purse <laughs> or something. I just want to see something Looking weird. For a story. Because yeah. we're like that. That's who comedians yeah, are. We yeah. like the, the, the more, you have you to know. respond to yeah. the unknown. That's right. Walk through the minefield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Naked, right. blindfolded, <laughs> on a pogo stick. <laughs> when you were up in New York, as long as you've been, did you ever play that one nighter Betty's Fireside? I, one time, one time only, and I got it was it was supposed Me to be too. the worst one nighter ever, and so really? everybody wanted to do it, mm -hmm. but even though it was a nightmare, and now you're gonna get heckled and screamed at, and it's gonna be not one person. I had a story where they sort of defeated the room. Yeah, it yeah. was a biker bar that was a big horseshoe shaped bar. And you stood in the empty end of the horseshoe, I think. The stage was above the bar. Yeah, yeah. it used to be a titty bar. Yeah, yeah. That's so crazy. And so yeah. you're kind of elevated in the open end, and they're all just sitting around that big horseshoe looking up. It was the weirdest thing. Yeah. But every – it was so – it was funny to hear the comedians say, like he said, you'd hear them bitching and complaining, but the money was okay. But everybody was like, oh, my God. And if there was 100 people you knew that did the gig, it was 100 horror stories. And yet anytime somebody brought it up, they come out and go, who books that? I want to get in there. <laughs> yeah, what's yeah. what's yeah. it take to get in there? You wanted yeah. to do it one time just because maybe you thought you were going to be the person who's yeah, going to yeah. turn it around. Yeah, conquer the room. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, had, I had the weirdest experience in there was that I, I, <laughs> I, I literally went – Drove to Denver with my cousin, drove to go skiing, and Pam was with me. She was living up there in New York at the time. She flew back. I drove back to Chattanooga, crashed for the night, got in my car, drove to New York, and by the time I got to New York, I had about three hours to cool out and then go to whatever to this yeah. one night yeah. was. And yeah. I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. Until we get there, and then they're telling me. And well, in New York, I used to sign this. They go, How's this gig? They go, The food's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's, or they, they pay 50 on Monday when everybody else just pays 25. Right. They, pay what, they always yeah. pay you in the food. Yeah. Yeah. So you see the setup where you're going to sit up there. So I get on stage, and it just reminds me of those crazy one-nighters you do where you just got to go nuts. Who you thought just, of this? You get, yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. you just go, Well, you know, you just got to go up there and just go crazy and see what happens. Yeah. But I was up there doing a thing, and it, it was, you know, you're getting a few people here and there. 
And then I thought, you know what the fuck? I used to do this bit about cow tipping, right? And it was a whole thing. And I thought, this is the stupidest thing in the world for me to do in New Jersey outside of the city. But I go, who gives a fuck? Right, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I went, anybody in here ever gone cow tipping? You would have thought <laughs> that I was in South Carolina <laughs> and said, who, who, who likes NASCAR? Right, right. They went crazy. And I went, really? They're like, yeah. Cow tipping. And I had them in the palm of my hand. The rest of the show was great. It was the stupidest thing. Pam was there, and she goes, that's the craziest thing. After 34 years, I finally heard the first person that liked Betty's fireside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> out, of like, I out of millions. <laughs> out of doing a bit that shouldn't have. Yeah. But oh, then you great, said, though. But, but not giving a fuck is what took you there and see how that worked out for you. And you did, You thought, you, you, when you leave, you go, well, this is, you get outside, you know, people forget, you get outside of New York, Newark, it's all oh, hell yeah. country. Yeah. It's called the Garden yeah. State for a reason. Yeah, yeah and so all these, a bunch of these, a bunch of these Jersey fucking, oh yeah, they're they're farm uh -huh. fucking rural. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, that was crazy, <laughs> you know. Betty's fired. God, I hadn't <laughs> thought about that. It was because it was like a Sunday. Also, it was weird because it was it was either like a Sunday or a Monday. Yeah, so there's yeah. hardly any one nighters during that time. Yeah. So yeah. another reason you would take it because you could actually work seven days a week if you could string right, that along right, with something right. else. But yeah, it was never. It was great. Get out there. It was like, yeah. well, it's Sunday and the food's good, and they always pay. Just like he said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same. You do take the money and run gigs. You know. <laughs> I'm gonna open up another water. Yeah. I think it's almost time. To oh, uh oh, breaking shit already. <laughs> I think there's a, wa a water on stage. If I see for some reason Gids opened it, I'll send another one up. There. Yeah, Gids at like 23, 24 minutes. Yeah. Plus, we do have a water cooler. I keep forgetting because we just put it in. Yeah. Yeah. Here you go. I couldn't do it. Yeah. What the fuck? He had to help me last time. Oh, you got to get this little. I did that. Okay. Boom. It's that golf grip left. I know. It's that golf grip. I know. We were watching that, uh, like a commercial about the, the golf clubs and everything. <laughs> Just like, oh, yeah, is the technology in here is going to improve your whole oh, golf game in one one purchase. the most ridiculous yeah. fucking shit that, that these, that, yeah, you, that, that they advertise a golf club. Yeah, you, you'll hit it, you'll hit it right down the middle, 250 yards. Well, it's, it's the same thing of you'll, you'll, you'll lose, you'll lose 50 pounds in a week. You'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll, you know, I mean, it's just amazing how people will buy into the fact that something hard could possibly be easy. Shortcuts. People are you looking know. for shortcuts. Well, so my cousin, my cousin's a doctor up in Chattanooga, and he owned walk-in clinics, and recently kind of, he start, he just sold. But he, uh, he told me, oh, all right. Let's go run back up on stage to get, get off the stage. And the great Vic Henley's going to take the stage next. Yeah, I could hear them. I could hear the crowd. They were ha ha. Yeah, there you go. That's my best Dale Jones impression. Ha ha. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. No, no more ha ha for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're not that funny. <laughs> That's his check drop bit. Yeah. 
And there goes Mr. Vic Henley there on goes stage. Vic. Yep. Uh, this always wow. feels like a break room. It really, yeah, it really does. Yeah. You know, it's like we'll go back to the plant here in a second. <laughs> we'll go back to the plant. Oh, we're talking about the, the yeah the. It's all about your the golf club that'll. We're talking about you know these damn commercials. Buy this golf club and you'll hit it 250 <laughs> yards down the middle. And it's just like yeah, take this pill and you'll lose 100 pounds. Yeah. And, and my and people want to believe that that you can that there's a way to do something hard easy. And there never is a way to do something hard. Otherwise, easy. everybody would do it. Exactly. Yeah. But my cousin, who's a doctor, he said, he said, you know, when I see patients over all these years, and he goes, and they walk in and they're complaining about this, that, or the other, he said, I, I can give the same diagnosis to 90% of the people that walk in. And he goes, and I, that, matter of fact, they don't even have to open their mouth. After a while, you can just look at how they're built and their yep. skin color and things like that. And he goes, you need to lose some weight. You need, to, you need a better diet. You need to start exercising. If you smoke, you need to quit smoking. If you drink, you need to manage, you know, yep. really, really moderate your alcohol intake and, and get your weight to this level and be able to do this physically. And whatever you're telling me is bothering you, it's probably going to quit bothering you. And he goes, every one of them look at you like, well, no. well you're out of your mind. I yeah. want a pill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I told you Fix my it. hip hurts. Yeah. You know, I don't want to. Well, yeah. the reason your hip hurts <laughs> is because, because you weigh 350 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Because you're out of shape and you're overweight and you don't exercise. And, yep. you know, but, yeah. They do the fix it for me. Like this. Absolutely. Do it, do it for me. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. And, and that's the mindset. You know, mm -hmm. everything right now, you know, people in traffic right now, right now. You know, I, I had a guy come it's up It's all here, snake oil. Well, come, in, come up here the other night. And he, and I, I drive a little bit above the speed limit, not a lot. As a matter of fact, my wife says I drive too slow. But, you know, so I'm coming up the road. Really? You know, and a guy zips around me, cuts me off to get to the turn that's right in front of us. Like, what you, would you say, the second? Oh, yeah. You know? And, and I've always wondered how much heartache how much pain is caused on this earth by impatience oh massive just oh, wow, yeah. just impulsive behavior and most of the time it's an impulsive act that if they just had a waited i would say in many cases 10 seconds yeah. A long enough to take a couple of deep breaths and really look at what the deal was and think clearly and then go instead of just going. There's a, there's How a, much bullshit that caused. There's a curve on River Road south of 41 uh -huh. in, in Sarasota County, and it is literally a blind curve because it turns so much. And they have had in the last two years probably four or five fatalities on that curve from people passing going around the curve. Right. Now, when you see that, you say, there is no way a sane human thinks you can do that. Yeah. It's not like it's a long, it's a short, oh, little, I know. you know. I mean, uh, growing up where I grew up in Chattanooga, you know, we spent a lot of time in, in the mountains along a the North Carolina, <laughs> lot, in the North Carolina, uh, Tennessee border. And so when you get up, you know, you're up in the mountains and you're on those two lane roads and, and it's, it's just a, a ribbon, right? Yeah. And I mean, they, they go out of their signs everywhere. They go out of their way to go, whatever you do, do not pass on these roads, yeah. you know, Don't matter. Huh? and all, and all the cops and the forest rangers will tell you, 
you know, how – he goes, we can tell you right now, this year, as in every year, every, just about every single fatality in this area we'll is going to be due yeah. to that. Wow. And we tell them and tell them and tell them and tell them. And people just, you know. Well, you know, if, when you cut across the I gotta state get there in the quicker. middle, there's a, there's, I forget which world it is, but there are passing lanes. And they tell you, passing lane in two miles, passing lane in a mile, and then it switches coming the other direction. So if you're behind somebody, not too long before you can get to a pa- and passing lane, but they still, yes. they still pass on the double yellow Oh, line. absolutely. And, you know, the, the problem is with those kind of people, they have impulsivity you know, uh, oh, issues. That's a good word. Right, right. They, it's, it's that impulsive behavior. Yeah. And the thing about it is, is that to control that, they need to take something to slow them down, like a Xanax or something. Yeah. But you can't, you should. <laughs> it's like, a, it's like you, know, you, you, you shouldn't be driving with your impulsive behavior, but you shouldn't be driving on the drug yeah, yeah, that yeah. cures your impulsive behavior, behavior either. Catch 22, <laughs> if I've ever heard of one right Maybe there. Maybe you shouldn't be driving. <laughs> you know, maybe that just should be it. Well, and, and you know, and that brings us back to season, tourist season down mm-hmm. here. Yeah, it's a hassle, you know, but, you know, it's a hassle because you can't get somewhere as fast as you want to get there. That's right. No. But that doesn't mean you have a right to do something stupid. Leave early. That's it. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, shit, you know they're here. Well, that's you know it's going to take, you know it's yeah. going to take a, a, at least a third longer at yeah. least. And I think a lot of people want you to solve their problem. They yeah. left for work late, so it's your your responsibility to get the hell out of the way right. so they can be yep. on time. That's right. No. That's right. Yeah. 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 yeah you know, instead of taking a big old breath and just accept <laughs> where you are. But no, it, it is. It, it's, it is amazing how much people still buy into. Here, now that we've got a thousand channels, and most of them are filled up with all these snake oil salesmen yeah. that are just, you know, here are these two drop-dead gorgeous models right. that are just totally ripped and sitting there and telling you that if you buy this machine, that in a short time you're going to look just like them in 15 minutes a day. Yeah, yeah. it's always something. just in You just do this for 15 minutes a day. you'll look, And, you know, that's that kind of stuff that you go – well, you know, I know there's a part of, you know, free enterprise, but you go, that's a bold-faced what it, lie. What it, what it, was it, wasn't it Snake oil there's a sucker born every minute? That, oh, of course. And you'll, you'll always get rich. Ne- you'll never get rich underestimating the stupidity. Overestimating, over, yeah. yeah. You, ne- yeah. Well, you never get rich overestimating and, the American and, public. You know, the golf world, and we're, we sort of, we, we, it comes on the TV channel and the golf side, and we go, oh, maybe this one might work this time. You know, I did sure. an article for a newspaper sure. years you ago. You want it to? Yeah, for year, years and years ago. And I took a list of all of those things that will shave two strokes off your game, three strokes off your game, four strokes off your game. You know, I don't know how you would do it, but you could play around the golf in eight strokes. <laughs> I don't know how you could do it, but yeah. you put all those together. Put all them together. Right. Well, well, I started, I mean, I, and I, I think I told you this. With my lessons, uh, after about two or three lessons, I asked her about my wedges and that I need new ones, and she goes, we can get you fitted, and that's what she does, and blah, blah, blah. And we started, so, you know, got them, and then I started to really think about that, the wedge game. And I, just, I told her, I said, you will not see me come to a lesson, and I usually do two a month. Yeah. You will not see me come to a lesson with anything but four wedges and a putter yeah. from now on. Until, right. until every – 
until I would say 80 to 90% of the time when I swing a wedge, somebody's going, damn. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Well, right. holy crap. That was yeah. awesome. Can you do that again? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Be magical with them. And I go, I know that. I've logically, everybody knows the short game's the deal. And, and I know logically that on most par fours, I can take a five iron out and slap it down there close to the green. Yeah. Right. You know? And, you know, as far as getting something yeah. down there. But so I'm like, what? Why have I not done this? Why is this someone who loves golf not focused on those? And I, I know why. It's tedious as shit. shit. It's tedious and, and it takes a ton of work. Not, it's not nearly as glamorous as watching that driver go out about 260 and it's take not. a little left-hand turn. You know, yeah. It's not as glamorous, but by God, it's more impressive. Right. It's more impressive. Yeah. When you stick a wedge in your hand and you stick that son of a bitch up on the green inside five feet every fucking time, yeah. just about, and that ball hits the green and you can say, I'm going to, this one's going to check, this one's going to well, do this and release. And, and you can call those. I mean, watch what those guys do out of bunkers. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Bunkers don't even penalize them hardly, no. you know. They're so I, amazing out of those bunkers. I, I told a friend of mine one day, I said, okay, if you want to find out how much you need to work on your wedge game and stuff like that, go out and late in the afternoon, nobody's out there. Drop a, on there, Don't hit your driver. Drop your ball at about 95 to 110 yards from the green. Right. So you should and count the, count that as your drive. That's one shot. Right. And so see what you can do. Right. And if you can't shoot 77 to 78, then you need to work on your wedge game. That's it. Well, it's you, it. you 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 shouldn't be missing as a buddy of mine whose dad was a good player, really good player. I mean, he was single digit handicap forever, and and uh, and he was like he was like, well, hell, he goes. Any idiot can hit a green from inside 150 yards because <laughs> well, no. he could. Yeah. He could. He didn't yeah. miss greens too much, and that's the reason he was a good player. Right, right. He, he got – and I, what it was, he got that place as he got older. You know, he couldn't hit as far as the young yeah. guys. The young guys are up there busting his chops about being so far behind, and he's like, I'll be there when the putting starts. Yeah. And that's some of well, it. Well, you know, I mean, I'm 73, and I've lost a lot of distance with my driver. Uh, and but I'm also working with my guy to, to pick up the distance with going to the gym three times a week. Yes. Golf specific exercises. Yes. Okay. And a little change in attitude. Yeah. And that being, don't you're not 25. Right. Just put the curtain down on that. That's birthday right. party. Right. You know? yeah, yeah. Play from the proper yeah. tee box. But what he's got me, we'll take a lesson and we'll hit nothing but six irons to a, a pin that's about 155 yards out. Yeah. And he said, I want you in about a 10-foot circle, which gives you 20 feet. Okay. Uh, either side of the pin. 10, you know, he said, if you can hit there, all right, and you can putt, you should never have a double bogey oh God, or, no. or worse. But hitting, hitting inside a 20-foot circle from 155 yards on a regular basis, you're you are awesome with an well, iron. I mean I, that I, that's, I have a new I, have I don't new, know I don't I have new pro pros. I have I see. new tailor made M6s. Oh, do you? Oh, and they're friggin' awesome. Well, you know now that that is that's they have the slotted. They have, they have the little bridge in the back. Yes, they got the slot. Now is that is that the newest one? That's the newest one. Okay, because I'm 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 going to that style yeah. of iron. I'm going to move to it because. My uh, girl who's working with me, she 
I had some graph. I have uh, burner, yeah. old burners, but but they're graphite shafts. Yeah. And I went to that because I was battling some tendonitis in my elbows, and I thought, well, maybe the graphites will be more forgiving. Yeah. She goes, maybe, but she she goes, now I've been working with you. She goes, I just get the opinion those things are too light for you, and exactly. so she brought some pings over yeah. that were just regular uh, regular steel shaft. Yeah. And we started swinging those, and God, they felt so much yeah. better. What, I, what happened to me was I went to a tailor-made demo thing at the club. Uh huh. All right, and I'm hitting my, I'm hitting my iron, my six iron, and the guy's looking at me. And he goes, "Wrong clubs." I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "You need to be two degrees flatter on your club." And I never had, I never had that done before. Yep. So when I got these, okay, I got two degrees flatter. And, and, I'm, and she told me, she goes, and I'd never heard of that either. Yeah. And she was like, when you get your clubs, she was like, still chef. She, she said, though, she gave me gram weights yeah. that it's going to 80 to 85 or yeah. something. She goes, you're going to have this gram. And she goes, you need to be one degree flat. Yeah. And uh, when you get them set up. So what, what did those end up, what did you pay for the brand new ones? Uh, six for six through through gap wedge oh that's not bad I, well there's the there's a golf store in port charlotte called yeah. your golf shop uh-huh that he's automatically a hundred dollars uh-huh. less than everybody else mm-hmm. but what i did for them is they they ordered them like that right all right he was going to bend. i had the old m4s and he was going to bend those but right. TaylorMade tells them don't do it because they have trouble with the head snapping oh. there's a defect there gotcha you know gotcha but now because he said apparently if your toe is up in the air it tends to pull the ball yeah so now you're trying to hold on, yeah. not to you know. So you can't really finish through it, right? And you take that out of the out of the out of the equation. Now you can really hit the ball, right? You know. I well, mean, you know, it, it, learning getting those clubs. When, you you have your swings pretty because you've been playing a long time. Both of our swings are pretty solid. We still do goofy shit, but it's enough to where we can get those yeah. kind of adjustments. Well, I'm looking forward to getting mine. Uh, I'm getting. I'll have to get mine. I'll need five iron. To approach wedge because yeah. I've already got See, the, I've the got, 58 I've got, yeah, I and the 54. The th- I have the three, four, and five hybrids. Yeah, and uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not carrying any hybrids anymore. Well, it's because you're good. And <laughs> I'm Les McCurdy. I'm well, so you good. Know what? I don't need a hybrid. When I, I got fitted for for fairway woods, I ended up with a three, five, and a seven. Yeah. And the guy goes, you know what? And I had a three and a four hybrid in there. He goes, really? You're you're doubling over. Yeah, yeah. he she yeah. he goes your your five and your between your five seven and your five iron, that's really taking yeah. you where you want to go. Well, see, and the other thing I did, and I was talking to a guy to take lessons from. I took my three iron out of the bag, my three wood out of the bag. Did Just you totally right? took it out? Yeah. He said, "Why you got your three wood?" I said, "Well, because if I'm like two ten away from the green." He said, and he know. See, these guys know because they're good. He says, "How many times in the last three months?" Have you gone for a green from 210 out with your three wood and got on the green? And I said, I don't know, a couple. He said, how many times you screw up the shot? I said, a lot. He said, now, let me ask you this. Wouldn't it be better to hit it up close with a three hybrid and then use your sand wedge or your 60 degree to hit it? See? And that's what you were talking about, the the wedge thing. Absolutely. Because we we tend to fall into the trap of trying to do something we really can't do. Well, you know, it was interesting watching uh, the, uh, the PGA tournament. Uh, recently that was in Austin yeah and Harvey Pinnock was the the uh, guy who wrote the little red, red book. book yeah and Harvey was the 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 golf pro there for forever 
and he was Ben Crenshaw and Tom Kite's guy. Yeah. And they were both there, and they were talking about Harvey. And uh, Azinger, I think, asked him, uh, you know, was he, uh, was he a stickler on technique? He goes, not at all. He goes, he wanted you to score well. So he looked at what you could do, you know, what you could do best, and you figured out how can I take that game and get you scoring yeah. the way you need to score, you know. And, and uh, you know, so that that's a that's somebody who coaches, you know, more with feel and that sort of thing. Well, because I, right? was, I was told a long time ago, I took lessons from a lady who played on the ladies' tour, and she said, here's your goal when you go out to play. You want to turn every hole into a par three. Okay, so on a par five, don't worry about hitting your three wood up next to the green. Hit it inside of 140, 130 yards. Now you've got a 130-yard par three that right. you're dealing with. That, yes, And yes. if you were playing 130-yard par threes all day long, sure. you should score great. You know something that I read now, once again, I had a golf teacher a while ago that said, uh, do you read golf books? You know, magazines, I go, yeah, he goes, stop. You don't, yeah, he goes, you don't, like, follow the lessons or anything. And I go, no, he goes, good. Because that's where you're trying to teach yourself, well, you know, yeah. and you don't know. But I did read something on statistically that, you know, pros will go, okay, I know that this wedge is 70 yards. Like, this wedge is my 60-degree wedge full is 70 yards, and I stick it, right, or whatever. So, on a par five, I'm going to – I don't want to try to get it – unless I can get it on the green. Yeah, you don't want, Otherwise, you hit to the 70 yards. Yep. Right. You don't want to hit to the 50 yards because now yeah. you're manipulating something. But they said most amateurs don't understand – they don't have that kind yeah. of accuracy because they don't work hard enough yeah. at it. So they did say that they found that you were more likely to score better on any hole the closer you could get to the hole. Yeah. Uh, you know, in that case. But you know, it was a challenge for me. I use a three. I have to use a three wood lots of times because I used to play, and I still will. I'll I'll play with if somebody wants to play from. I'll go back as far as 6,600. That's yeah. that, that's max. Yeah. And I'm going to be hitting a lot of long irons yeah. doing that. But I should, you know, now mostly it's it's 6,000 to 63 yeah. right in there. Yeah. Most that's people – and that's fine. That's plenty. And uh, so with that kind of a course, I do hit my driver far enough that there are a lot of – fours i won't say a lot but there's usually two or three on every course that i can't hit i i'm foolish to hit my driver yeah. on it because it just you're i'm gonna hit in the trouble that and then i got to where i got that's where i got i was i got bugged i go my seven wood and my five wood i hit those pretty pretty consistently off the deck my three was a mess in most people is and i and i the girl that was teaching i was like now tell me if i'm wrong susan there's not that much difference between that three and that five. She goes, nah, all in your <laughs> noggin, buddy. It's all in your yeah, noggin. So yeah. You just got it. You're just, and I just have to tell myself to, I, I so, you know, it's the oldest thing in golf, but 
Especially with that three wood off the deck. Swing smooth. Yeah. Just swing smooth. Well, you know, I, I think that's another thing that hurts the most amateur golfers is we don't think our way around a course. We right. react. We get up there, put the tee in the, on the, in the ground, put the ball on the tee, stand back, look at it, hit it, and go. Sure. Instead of going, okay, what am I trying to do with this ball? Yeah. When I took those lessons from Nancy many, many years ago when I was in D.C., we'd go out for a, a, a round, three or four holes on the course. And I, she used to make me so aggravated. She'd go, okay, before you hit this shot, if you don't hit it great, where's it going to end up? Where's your miss area? Right. Okay. Oh, wow. Right. See, where's your miss? Where's your miss? I never, I never heard of that. Because before. you have to be learned. You have to control your misses. Right. Because right? everything's imperfect. Exactly. S stand up comedy. Everything's yeah. imperfect. Right, right. So when it ain't going to hit, how do I not hit the – Yeah. how do no. I miss the best? It, miss it, the and, best. And I like she, that. And, yes. Yeah. And yeah. she was always telling me, if you're going to use, say, the three wood, right. okay, and you don't hit it perfectly, there's odds are it's going to go 100 yards or you're going to push it off to the right or push it off to the left. So of the three – of the four shots that you're going to possibly hit, one of them is good. Right. So why don't you back up, use a seven wood. Sure. Hit it closer to, you know, because... And once again, play the distances. I mean, it is... Uh, uh, and I think this goes for higher handicappers, but my buddy Dave up in Chattanooga, who's always been a low handicapper, when I was when I was playing 90 to 100 and ha happy to get yeah. anywhere near 90 and breaking 90 was like a woo-woo, like, you know. And he was like, Les, he goes... And I wasn't hitting my driver consistently. It's the hardest club to hit. Yeah. And even your three wood. I mean, the longer the club, generally the harder it is to hit. Yeah. So he goes, which club do you like best in that bag? I mean, like, you're just going to go pull. Yeah. You know? And that's what he goes, I ask anybody that. And he goes, most people are probably going to say they're five iron or they're seven iron. Yeah. You know, that you can hit the furthest. Yeah. Oh, I see. You know, five, six, seven. One of those mid irons, you know. And uh, five's kind of a long iron. But anyway, he goes, say it's your seven iron. Cool. How far you hit it? 150 yards, 160, 150, 160. He goes, all right, you're standing on a par four that's 350 yards. Why, were you Why are you pulling that, that driver out? He goes, you pull out, that, you pull out that seven iron, you hit it twice. You're, now you're just bumping a little chip up there. And maybe you make your par bogey at worst. Do that all day long, and you're playing bogey golf easily. Yeah. You know, right. and, you know, and, and th but of course, nobody was. Well, and, you know, I told you this story before. My cousin, who's a doctor, and he plays like five times a year, but he, he says the same thing. I want to hit the driver. I want to hit the driver. And, and so he went to this, uh, and, and, and on that, I remember a, 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 one of the first lessons I got, and we were talking about the driver, and I've told you this. The guy goes, uh, here's your driver lessons. Take, a, take your driver home, take a beach towel, put it in the dryer, heat it up really warm, wrap your driver in it, duct tape it to hold it really tight together where the driver really stays in there you know it's like almost airtight yeah stick it in the darkest part of the back of your closet <laughs> he goes now when you start hitting that three wood pretty good we'll get that fucking driver out of the closet. <laughs> and so uh chi chi rodriguez is at this tournament that my cousin's at and 
Uh, and so they auctioned off a 30-minute lesson with Chi-Chi before they go play. So Bill bought it. So they're standing on the driving range, and Chi-Chi's like, so what do you want to work on? He goes, I know we should be sitting here working on my wedge or nine iron or something like that or, yeah. you know, putting. He goes, but I just want to hit a driver. I want to hit it 200 and something yards every time down the fairway. I want to feel like a fucking man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So Chi-Chi goes, okay. He goes, get your driver out, and he goes, I want you to just set your tee down and take a few swings. Just yeah. clip the tee. I just want to take a look at your swing. He goes, oh. So he did that. He goes, okay. He goes, go ahead, put a ball down there. He goes, now set up, set up. You ready? He goes, yeah, I'm ready. He goes, okay. He goes, as soon as you get into your backswing, before you move to the ball, close your eyes. He goes, is that so I can get the feel of it? He goes, no, you don't need to see this shit either. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) We saw it. But he said Chi-Chi got him hitting the ball pretty solid in just a short lesson, but it it all went out the window. We we saw Chi-Chi in Princeton, New Jersey at a senior, what they call the seniors tour at the time, and he's warming up at the end of the driving range because he's putting on a show. Right. Hit the ball, yeah. tell a story. Hit the ball, tell a story. Right. And he used these extra long tees. And someone asked him why. He said, because when I was growing up as a kid, I couldn't afford tees. So I would use old scorer's pencils that I'd find around the golf course oh. to tee my ball up on. Okay. He said, I'd pull I'd pull the, the eraser out, get it out, or cut it, and then set the, t- the ball on that. So I just got used to it. But what was really interesting to him is he would sit there and he'd go, okay. He'd say, sir, when I get to the top of my backswing, you yell hook or slice on the way down yeah and he would hit that shot like really he could make that he adjustment make, and they ask him how do you do that he says i just think it's going to go that way and your body naturally takes and your body his body well does it. but he's also hit yeah a hundred thousand shots other, yeah. <laughs> I, you know yeah I, I'm I, mean, not, I saw him on a, a thing with uh uh lee trevino as one skins game they did you know just just fun thing you know mm-hmm. And this was a while back, but I know I think that Chi-Chi at that time was probably about your age, yeah. you, you know, uh, uh, early to mid-70s. I said, but you were still hitting it 270. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was still well, – he was hitting it further than Trevino. Yeah, I would, I would love to be able to go back in time and take one of these new drivers and give it to oh. some of those guys. Oh. Because you watch the old shell wide world of golf, oh, God, the old black yeah. and white one, oh, sure. and they're using the little persimmon heads, and they're knocking it out to 250, yeah, 260. You know, Jack and two, Watson you know. and all them talk about that. I mean, I've got one sitting over here, yeah. you know, that persimmon head. It's but amazing we could hit those. And those guys were hitting those things, you know. I mean, it's like really. Of course, see, back then they had the balada ball, which you could move around. Yes. That's why those guys were all shot makers. Yes. They weren't. Now they sort of hit it in a direction and faded or hooked it a little. A lot of covers were so soft, they wouldn't last long. No. I mean, you could cut them so easy, yeah. you know, yeah. but they had just tremendous feel to them. Yeah. I mean, Remember, you, you could they feel could, them on the, if, on if you could the put face a tracer, of the club. If you could put a tracer on the ball, they could tie like a bow tie in the air with those <laughs> things. I mean, like <laughs> really. They were cool. You know, and but if you ever bladed one, it was done. It yeah, was done. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Know. But no, but those guys they could well. Th- matter of fact, uh, the uh, last year's uh, drive chip and putt thing at Augusta for the kids. Yeah. They there was a I think a fourteen year old kid that was there. And I think he won his age group. Yeah, I remember that. And and yeah. he they did a, a piece on him and he said what he loves to do is go to the range and work it by himself. He said he goes down to the edge of the driving range, 
and they were saying that you know none of these kids know who the Chi-Chi's and the Olafop, you know, but they see them on YouTube. Uh-huh. And this kid was was interviewed, and he said he saw a a, 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 a not a, a Ballesteros video where he grew up with only two golf clubs because he was poor. Right. And he learned to hit like take a seven iron and hit all these different shots. He said, so I go down there and I try to mimic what he was doing right. as a kid. Wow, yeah. And I thought that is genius because there's nobody in his age group doing that stuff. Right. No. You know. Right. I mean, he's, cool. you know, he said we, we saw a match. I think Trevino was with him in the at the British Open one year. They did a thing after that as the one club match. You know, I think they used a five iron, and they're hitting out of bunkers and like, you know, really. Yeah. I mean, hit a, how do you hit a five iron out of a bunker? I have no idea. You know. My uh-huh. buddy, my buddy John, I play with. He he goes. He keeps saying he wants us to do that every now and then. You get to pick four clubs, and you know, and and play. Yeah. You pick, well, pick your four. I bet you if you, I bet especially with you, if you went out with a three wood, um, a seven iron, a pitching wedge, and a putter. Yeah. I bet you your score wouldn't be that much higher, if any higher. Probably than not. Probably not. Well, you know that my uh, my teacher said lots of times getting your score, getting yourself to score lower is in your head you don't believe it so he said my suggestion is and she goes pros will do this they'll play from the front tees yeah i've heard that just because that way they'll go out and they'll start shooting in the 60s all the time just to get it into their brain that that's a score you know i said i said susan I can play from the front tees, and I still ain't shooting under <laughs> par. I well, can fucking tell you, I'm not. I'm, I'll still be lucky to break eighty, yeah. even from up there. I keep a catalog of my, of my, of my when I play when I play Bobcat or Heron Creek. Yeah. And in the last about about year or so, I've had a lot of thirty nines on the front nine. Yeah. I've never had one on the back nine. Yeah. Regardless of the nine that I'm playing, there are there are four different nines involved in this, and I've never had anything uh, because once I get to 39, I go, oh, a 41 makes an 80. It's a tale of two cities. See, instead yeah. of tell it, tell it, you know, and the thing is, there. This was a big breakthrough for me. Used to, if I was playing good on the front nine, and I knew I was. I mm-hmm. mean, you're you 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 haven't had a double bogey, you know. You've had several pars, and you're and maybe a birdie stone in there, you know. I would, I would say to the person I'm playing with, I go, I don't want to know my score. I don't want to yeah. talk about it. I just want to play because you feel like you need to stay in that thing. It was a big breakthrough for me to shoot in the 70s enough to where I can, I can finish nine, go, shoot, I shot a 38 or a 37. Yeah. You go and go, great. Now, you big dumb ass. Now, yeah. go out there and, yeah. you know, and well, you break know, 80. We know, you know, yeah. shit. Well, you know what's really funny? And, and this is this is how you bring it back to comedy. Uh, when you were in the old club on 41, and I was still do, coming up and doing open mic stuff and getting four or five minutes, I did about five minutes one night that literally rocked the room. But the best I'd ever, you know, and I was talking to Dale Jones, who we both know, and I was he said, let me tell you something. That eventually will go away as just another show because you will get better and better and better. But he said, you have to get used to that. Yes. You have to get used, you know, don't so stand there like a deer. Right. You're not expecting you to go, I know I'm going to do it. Yeah. Right, and, and, right, right. And it's, it, sound, it's, it sounds egotistical to, to talk about how good you think you are about anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, but if you don't acknowledge that, then you're going to prove yourself right. In mm-hmm. other words, you know, 
uh, I, I wouldn't go up on stage with, with 30 minutes of brand new material. No, no. You know, I yeah. might slide something in there, you yeah. know, but I'm to the point now where I don't worry about it. Like, I do the cruise ships, and I do a show on the cruise ships, and I never want remember to think, ooh, I hope they like it, because I, I know they're going to like it. Right, you right. Know, they might not like it as much as I like them to like it. but It's confidence, yeah. You know, but anyway, so here we are yeah. in the green room. In the green room. Yes. No, it's interesting Very because, sure. you know, I think as people get older, uh, we need to raise our expert expectations, not lower our expectations. Right, like, right, right. You know, I started working very seriously on my golf game two years ago. I got a, a range membership at the country club, a local country club, so I can go out there any time I want to. Oh, and they've cool. got a great practice facility and all that. And you start saying, okay, what is your goal? Right, well, my right. goal is to shoot my age, which would be and right now two over par. So I need to hang around and get older <laughs> yeah. and make it easier. <laughs> but I'm, but honestly, I, I'm hitting the ball better now than I ever have because I've been taking lessons. And taken seriously. And, take, and going to the gym. Right. You know. Uh, very golf-specific exercises, yeah. uh, and like Les says, I mean, don't read the golf magazines. There's, you know, yeah, I remember yeah. year. This was eons ago. I used to get Golf Digest and Golf Magazine, and they t- tend to come at about the same time of the month. Yeah, and I opened up one, and here's a lesson on I don't know how to hit a five iron or something like that, or how to whatever. And the so they they had the same problem in both lessons in, in different mag- each magazine, yeah. and they told you just totally opposite things to do. Of course. One, one guy goes, like, play the ball back in your stance. Another guy goes, play the ball forward in your stance. Like, well, okay, that tells you right there. Yeah. You know. And then you see people, the old books back in the day, when Arnold Palmer come out of a book on how to, hit, how to play golf, and it wasn't anywhere like his swing. Right, you know, right, right. I mean, he had that chopping, rotating, screw yourself into the ground thing. You know. yeah, yeah. I mean, you couldn't do that and not hurt yourself. Yeah. You know, it really is, you know, but – See, that's the thing about it. I used to have a T-shirt I call Welcome to Florida where old people come to die then don't. Yeah, right. You know, but, and it's almost true because they come down here and they suddenly get outside and they get healthy and right. they get a three-wheel bike or they go to the beach or they do something like that. Find and community. And suddenly they're, they're healthy and it's like, whoa, now what do I do? All right. You know, and you, you pick out something to go do it. Yeah. You know. A lot we, of things to do down here. Well, yeah. like we've got a, a – uh, on 41, where 41 crosses River Road, where the Mayaka River comes up, uh, we've got a new facility that the county just built where you can launch kayaks. It's oh, a very, very cool. nice facility. And they have a thing there every, about once a month where they come down with their kayaks and they go out and pick up trash on the river. Okay. So it's like, oh, you get your exercise, you do some good for the environment. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, but you look at that whole area, those little bitty mangrove islands and all that, it's a gorgeous place to hang around. Oh, sure. You know, and it's not that... It's not that uh, physically exerting because you're just sort of bouncing along at your own speed right, right, you know right. you need to try to do it so you you go you go upstream first and then the tide will bring you back to where right. you were <laughs> like I, I you know yeah but uh, no but there's all this kind of stuff you know the only things i get are, i don't understand are these usually ladies that lay on the beach and butter themselves up and they look like they're a gucci bag yeah you know yeah. They, got, they got more wrinkles than an alligator right, the sun's yeah. baking them yeah anyway we're sitting here watching the golf tournament. Yeah, is yeah. it the ladies' tournament? Or? See, the the and there's there's a, one of the things that the the lady pros do. They wear these little sleeves on their arms, right, to protect them from the sun. And I just ordered a pair of those. Yeah. Because uh, I just had some melanoma cut off my arm, and I found out that they're actually cooler than your arm in the sun. 
The way they're the way they're made. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. So we're gonna see how that. Works. Oh, it's like a, like an Under Armour sort of thing. Yeah, where but it's not. It's just the sleeve. It doesn't. It's not the whole thing. It yeah. just comes up to about right there. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps you cool almost. Well, and the, I forget who the golfer was. There was a senior golfer years ago who who worked, walked around with his collar turned up and his hat turned down, and everybody thought he was trying to be cool. He was just trying to keep the sun off his skin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Huh? It's brutal. You, you get down here long enough, and suddenly your dermatologist goes, "I am going to go buy a boat." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But what's he? Oh, the cool wheel. Oh, wow, he's about 32 minutes. Yeah. It's a big crowd tonight, too. Yeah, how are they? Yeah, except the one lady up front. It's funny, you, you, you can have a good show and you see one person with their arms crossed and you go, What the hell am I doing wrong? Yeah. You know, I, can, I can't change and, and your then mind. It, then it becomes, I am going to make that person laugh before I leave. Yeah, you yeah. challenge yourself. Yeah. But, uh, I don't even see the audience sometimes, but I'm so new at this. So. Yeah, well, yeah. you know. Just look right over them sometimes. But then, yeah, like if I do like a bar show or something, though, you can see everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's a weird one. I go with that southern accent he's got. Dick. Victor. Victor. From yeah. The, yeah. Anyway. Oh, there's Annika. Annika's sister teaches out at uh, Charlotte Harbor, Charlotte National, Charlotte Harbor National at Bobcat Trail. Yeah. She has her Sorenstein Academy out there. Right. Yeah. Is she like the number one pro right now? Who's the best female golfer right now? Uh, I, I, I don't. Lydia Cole was for a while. It just, yeah. just you know. It's always changing. You don't have the ones that you don't have the. You've got about. See, this is other. This is the difference between the women's tour and the men's tour. The men's tour, there are probably. 50 to 60 that could win any week without it being a big upset. Right, okay. In the, in the women's, you've got maybe 10. Right. You know, and it shows in the money because, you know, you win the tournament, you get maybe eighty or $90,000, and 10th place gets 22000 you know. So right, the money right. is all top heavy. Yeah. You know. I have a – there's a friend of mine who plays on the LPGA named Emma Talley. She – it's her second year. She was at the University of Alabama, and uh, when she was there, she won the U.S. Women's Amateur – and then the next year, she won the NCAA women's title at, at concessions here in Bradenton. Mm -hmm. And then she went on the Symmetra Tour, finished in the top ten, got her card, played last year, made about half a million dollars plus, and now she's on again this year. Yeah. And she's out there with her. There's another girl named Cheyenne Knight who was our teammate in, in, in Alabama. Right, right. You know. But if it wasn't for the sponsors' involvements, you know, they're like they're like she's sponsored by Callaway. Right, right. And the first year out there, last year, Callaway paid all of her entry fees into all of the tournaments, so she could, you know, so it's trying to keep the cost down. Right. You know, of course they get their clubs and all that stuff, and like they play in eight. The first four tournaments were in Australia and Asia. Well, in order to get the field over there, they provided the organizers provided all their travel, their hotels, their transportation, and and paid for their caddy. So there was no expense to go over there other than little stuff. Oh yeah. Otherwise, they couldn't afford to go. Yeah. Well. Well, well, well it was like the British Open back when Arnold Palmer was was coming up. Uh, nobody went to play the British Open because even if you won, it cost you money to go over there. Yeah, it wasn't worth the it. The purse wasn't very big. Right. But he felt like he should go to support golf. Well, once he went over there, then some of the other Americans started following, and then the Brits decided, you know, we need to up the ante dollar-wise. Yeah. Then, then it got on television, and the money starts rolling in, and now it's... Yeah. It's usually how that works, though, with anything. But back then, nobody wanted to go because it was, you know... Yeah. It was, you know, it's sort of like being in comedy. 
I, yeah, I can get a I can get a gig in Columbus, Georgia, but it's going to cost me more than gas to get there and get back. Right. You Is know. it worth it? Yeah. That's what Jane when Jane Paul interviewed me. That's one of the things she asked me when I got my first check. I said it was for thirty five dollars, and I said I paid more in gas to get there and get back. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, he has a beer. He's got half a beer. <laughs> Part of it didn't make it. It had to be tested. Yeah. Somebody stopped me. Yeah. Drank my beer. That's what, you know. yeah. I think the uh, lightning are on here. Oh. They are so good this year. Yeah, I was talking to my cousin who's in Nashville. And he, he works at the Bridgestone Arena. And he knows all the, all the, the Predator guys and all that. And uh, they're, all, they're all doing the math now. Because we've got this thing locked up on our side, okay? Okay, he, he's telling me today, he said, now, if St. Louis beats Anaheim, and, and you know, and then so-and-so beats so-and-so, and so-and-so does so then we'll have home home ice advantage through the playoffs, you know? He's doing the math. Yeah. 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 Jesus. You know, we were telling that I, I was asked, my buddy John grew up in New York, and so he's been a hockey fan forever. So, yeah, keep he knows, even though I've been watching the game now for over a dozen years, he's still – you know, no shit. I can't. You know, I just yeah. see and or pay attention to. But I was asking him. I said, I said, are there any? And I really haven't gone to see this. But now that hockey has been in warm climates for a while, are there any professional hockey players that grew up in a warm climate like Southern like, California, which has great teams? Right. Yeah. We have a great team. That we have what. Uh, 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 two two uh, hockey teams in Florida. Yeah. Uh, what we've got Nashville, um, Texas, Texas, all the southern. You know, so states, I just yeah. wonder if there's any hockey players that have developed in the, the in, southern in parts, warm climates. Warm you climates. Know? Is no. <laughs> I don't. Well, you know, they the I, I haven't done the, the feedback I've gotten from most people I've asked is there must be. Oh yeah. <laughs> there must be, but I'm I don't sure. know that there is. I. I haven't checked on it yet. Yeah. It sure is, man. I tell anybody haven't hasn't seen it. You know, you can't. You know, it is truly a sport you can't get on television. It's better now with big. You know, when you have a super big screen television, you can enjoy it more. Yeah. But man, the it is it is got to be uh, maybe the most exciting sport to watch live. It. I think it so. Is so fast and so fun to watch. So much energy. That's what. Like, oh, the athleticism on those skates. Yeah, is just it's, incredible. It's a masterful sport too. It it's is. Like, yeah, that's what I think it is. It's a very skilled and technical sport, but it's also very uh, aggressive and physical. Yes. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's a like combination. soccer and football all put together. Exactly. Running at warp speed. Exactly. Flying and, uh, thirty flying. miles an hour. Some of those guys are skating. You know what I mean? And boy, when you sit down close to the ice and you really can feel the power. Yeah. And size. They're and checking people into the boards oh, and everything. God. Yeah. How fast that puck's really moving. That's yeah, crazy. It, it is. There's something else. Yeah, it took a while. Wasn't there like a strike? Not like 10, Many 15 years, years ago. ago. Yeah, and it's because they weren't getting paid enough or something like it that. Was. But it was probably because they wasn't what? pulling enough money, right? The, the I don't sport know. itself, maybe. I don't know. Usually, I would think where there would be a strike is because it's that it's that place where the sport takes a real upsurge. And over just a, a short, maybe over a period of five years, all of a sudden ah. it takes a real upsurge in popularity. 
and the owners, you know, they've just been used to paying a certain amount of money. That makes more and sense. And all of a sudden they realize, whoa, we're, we're making, our mm. profits have really jumped in the past four or five years. Uh, we're not going to share that. I don't think the players have figured it out yet. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And, or maybe they did. And there's a point where, yeah, they do figure it out. The players do figure out what's being yeah. made on the other end. You know, that, that's always the thing people go, players make too much money. And I go, it's, 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 it's all relative. The yeah. players make – It's proportional. It's proportional. Yeah. You know, and, and, and when it all – because I go, if you don't give it to the players, then the owners are getting it. Yeah, well, then exactly. the owners are making too much money. Is that better? Yeah, you know, I'd rather sense. see the players. I mean, everybody, you know, obviously gets a piece of the everybody's pie. Making good fucking money. Yeah, it blew me away when I did not realize till this past year how much money you had to have to own a football team. Oh, until the owner of the was it Charlotte got into the trouble. And had to, you know, bail out. And, oh, oh, And oh, P. Yeah. Diddy pops up. Yeah. Maybe it was basketball. It was basketball. It was, it was basketball. And P. Diddy pops who, uh, up and oh, goes, he was. He goes, I'm interested in being an owner. You know, kind of pops yeah. up. And then I was watching sports talk, and, and they were going, let me tell you how ludicrous that is. He goes, P. Diddy, last time I looked, is worth like $150 million. He goes, they won't even look at you no. as an owner if you yeah. don't have a billion dollars. I mean, a billion yeah, for, for sure. football or basketball. For sure. Well, the guy who got. Because you had to have something. I think it was something like you had to have, I think it was about 800 and something thousand dollars before to invest just to be, just to get yeah. in. Yeah. Then you had to have another several hundred thousand dollars in reserve, right. on top. You know, so it went over a billion dollars. Yeah. You know, to to own yeah, one of these the only fucking things. Well, I mean, a stadium costs like millions. Well, just they to don't build. pay for the stadium. I know, but I'm just saying, like, like just look at the numbers on that. Like, oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like a billion, it's a, it cost it's a, a billion dollars. It's a big yeah, money well, industry. See, I mean, yeah, they're talking yeah. about the new Ray Stadium, and that's what's holding it back. Yeah, it's going to be a billion dollars. The only thing you know, 150 to pay for it. The only thing 150 million. Yeah. Get, the only thing 150 million gets is a comedy club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give or take a few million. That's yeah. right. Us, yeah, exactly. us multi-million dollar comedy club owners. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a good life. Yeah, done well. You can't complain. Right? I, I probably did. I, I, I'm pretty sure I did way better making this choice than trying to be a famous comedian. Right. I, I, uh, uh, I would say Vic was probably right. A lot of people stood. <laughs> you weren't in here. I said, so I was a, this is back when I was a middle act, and Vic goes, you know, a lot of people think you still are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, touche. Bingo, 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 yeah. Well, you know, and that's, see, that, that's one of the things about, there's two, there's, there's two things about comedy. We talked about one earlier, but that relate to sports. Okay, part of it is that how hard you work at it. Oh, yeah. You know, work, you work on your wedges. Sure. Okay. Uh, and, and once I got out of your class, I got that computer program yep. that I used to, and it tells me how much, how many lasts per minute, and all that kind of stuff. And if they're not getting something, I look at it and I go, "Oh, that's because my talking too much and not doing a punchline or something." Yeah. You know. Well, you know, the thing is, get. I mean, 
I mean, literally, Kenan, I put a number to it. it it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 4,000 people have been through our classes. Really? I mean, it's right in that number. Yeah. And because we've been doing it for 30-something years. And you go, out of that whole group, how many have made it to pro level? I mean, meh, maybe 15. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you know, I mean, it's it the number. There's a few out of Chattanooga that did. Uh, five or six that I can think of that made it to pro level, and all of them not the headliner. Yeah, but, you know. And then, like I say, I want to say maybe five or six out of down here. Yeah. But that's what I tell me. You know, that's kudos to you. That that's pro level of anything is is dedication and perseverance and well, you know yeah. that that you know I'm not going to give. And like I think I tell try to tell every. If you're in it for the money, you'll quit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you got to be in it because you love it so much. You would do it no matter what because yeah. you just enjoy it so much. Like, like we play golf. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Then maybe you got a shot at sticking with it long enough to get good enough. Well, and see, in my ca- in my case, I sort of I sort of went the opposite direction because I because I was older and, and semi retired. I was never going to be a road comic. You know, I'm not going to drive to to Columbus, Georgia, on a Thursday night. And back for one hundred and fifty dollars ain't happening. Okay, well, <laughs> yes. and but, you know, yes, right. but what I did, not. what I was able to do, is to turn that into being on the cruise ships. Right, and and we've been doing it for almost nine years with Celebrity, and I think we counted something like we've been to Russia f- six times. Right. St. Petersburg, but through your life, you're kind of a hustler kind of mentality. Yeah. Anyway, you're used to making changes, yeah. and you don't. Well, that that's what bother when you. Jane Pauley was interviewing me and going down my list of all the things that I've done mm-hmm. from selling vacuum cleaners door to door to being chief command information for the Army. She goes, how would you describe describe your career? And I said, roadshow, you know, just roadshow. I mean, it's whatever. Yeah. Put the tent up and put on the show and then move to the next town. Yeah. You right. know, but right. th- where I was going is, is I, I, I keep in contact with some of the people that were in class with me. And I've sort of watched over the years. A couple of them took off and started doing stuff. But it start, suddenly became hard. Yeah. And they went, ah, okay, I've had it. Well, you know what I see is you go, they get, it, they get, to, they get their first five minutes. And, and, and it's working. It's really working. And they're like, oh, man, this is fun now. Yeah. And then the next five minutes kind of comes along. Not, it doesn't take too long to get that next five or maybe ten. So they got 15 minutes. That's usually about a year, about a year into it. They've got 10, 15 minutes. Then they realize how hard it's going to be to get the rest of it. Yeah. I, think, I think Les has to go on stage. I think so, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, a, that's a show right there. <laughs> there you go. That's how it works. Drinking a beer. Get him. I am. I am. I am. Because <laughs> I've got a Xanax and the Valium, and I want to see what happens. <laughs> I know what's uh. going to happen. Well, what's, what's, the, what's the joke that when he takes a va- – oh, Valerie Storm talks about that. Yeah, yeah. Takes a, he takes a – he, he takes Viagra and, te- and she takes a Xanax and he gets all hard and she doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, how was your skit? Oh, man. They, they were My skits and sketches were on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love that? You're right. I know that you've had that happen to you a thousand times. You're walking out of a, sh- a good show and someone goes, that was a very nice skit. Yeah. Caroline Ray, who is hilarious. 
Whenever I see her to this day after 30 years, she's still, because we were standing at the bar in one of the New York clubs, and these, this fuck couple stopped and goes, we just got to tell both of y'all we really enjoyed all the skits and sketches. All the skits and sketches. <laughs> so whenever I see her, she's like, how are your skits and sketches going? I'm like, pretty good. How are your skits and sketches going? <laughs> 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 little skits and sketches. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. That no, it, it, we were just talking about, you know, I, I started at age 61, and so I, did, I never was a road comic. Sure. You know, because I, bullshit, I'm not going to do that. Uh, you know, I don't have to sleep on top of the bed with saran wrap well, yeah, around we, the exactly. bed. You know, Ab- yes. and but I got into the cruise thing where I where I, I I only I speak on celebrity and then I do my comedy show at night. You know, and we've been to Russia like six times. We've been to, you know been to the Panama Canal three times. Wow. Uh, we've been to about fifty countries. There's not literally there's not a port city in Europe where cruise ships go that we haven't been. Man, that's great. Uh, we See get the a, world on their dime, baby. That's e- a road exa- comic. Well, that's the yeah. ultimate road. Well, comic. yeah, you know and. You're a sea comic, yeah. Well, it's the same thing. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's just a wetter road. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it's so funny because see now, when we get off a ship like in Lisbon, Portugal, we we know where we're going. And that fun? we know the little restaurant, right. we know the little bar, the little coffee shop. Oh, that's cool. You know? Um, Growing up in Western or Kentucky, did you think you'd ever be able to? Like, if someone stopped and asked for directions, you could probably tell them where to go there and be right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, my joke has always been that if you get a good education in Kentucky, you know you need to leave. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's always true. <laughs> Thank you for asking. <laughs> you know, no, it's uh, it's it's been a, it's been exciting, uh, frustrating, as you well know, because this trying this thing of trying to move up the ladder scenario. Right. You know, that's and, hard. and then you and then you get to the point where you say, I'm better than this. In other words, you take certain places. You go, I will not go back there anymore. Sure. Because I am better than this. I had a, a gentleman at a club outside of the area uh, knows me. I went up and did a guest set for him. And, he, and he's seen me before. You know, he says after the show, you know, you, you're hysterical, but I just don't know how to market you. Translation, you're old. Right. See? You market because you say I'm funny and your crowd likes funny. So yeah, come see exactly. funny. Well, that's what I told you. know, And I said, you're sitting in the middle of all these country clubs and, and retirement parks that I work at. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That I work at, you know. And I said, I'm not coming up here because of what you pay. I'm coming up here because I like the club and I like the people up yeah, here. Yeah, sure. I said, I can make more in one night at one of these places than you can pay me for a week. But that's okay. That's not why I want to come. Well, just come up with a marketing. No, that's not No, that's job. your idea. That's, that's your that's, job. That's your right, job. right. You give the club promo material and they can promote you any way they want. Yeah, you don't exactly. have to do the whole well, job for them. Then yeah. What are they there for? <laughs> They're not paying you for Because, you know, in, in most cases, most cases, people go to a comedy club to see comedy they don't know the comedian true now, there absolutely. are people that come through here like julie and dale and people like that yeah. she's going to put people in the seats but 90 percent of them go oh let's go to the comedy club true absolutely because they got the phone call hey we have free oh, tickets yeah, yeah. we got free tickets <laughs> because you didn't get a speeding ticket this week <laughs> yeah, right yeah <sighs> i think it's cocktail time i think it is and we'll probably yes. wrap it up here then huh? Okay. You think well, you have thank enough? you guys. I think we got like five hours, so we're, we're all. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> it's going to be a twenty-minute podcast. Yeah, so we're going to condense it down. You Don't can worry. either listen to this or watch Roots. Either watch. <laughs> <laughs> In all of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah all Absolutely. three Lords of the Dancers with the Wolves. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Vic. Thank you. Thank oh, you, my kid, pleasure, man. Buddy. That was a fun. Good night. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please go to our website at McCurdy'sComedy.com. Also, check out Vic Henley at VicHenley.com. That's V-I-C-H-E-N-L-Y. 
and also go to GidPool.com to check out his amazing story. That's G-I-D-P-O-O-L. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you next time.